Hey there. Thanks so much for downloading and listening. Want to start here with a content warning. Some gnarly stuff happens in the stand, and we have to talk about it here in the course of summarizing what happens in the book. So here is a content warning for things like sexual assault or suicide, both of which happen in abundance. Um, if hearing about, about that is going to make your day worse, consider yourself warned. Otherwise, uh, we are happy to have you here listening. After this, we're going to be talking about the first portion of Wizard and Glass, and we'll be off to the races with that new season. Um, this show is possible because of your support at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Okay, I think that's everything. Let's go. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King and also some related works. This is part two of our coverage of The Stand, which is one of those related works. This is actually the final episode in our off-season before we start talking about Wizard and Glass. Um, I am joined today by Murph Murphy. How's it going, guys? Or guy? <laughs> I mean, you can also address the audience. Oh, um, hello, audience. Let's leave some room for them to just say how they're doing. Sit down. Pour yourself a drink. We're mm. going to go on a journey together. I didn't see it come in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you for, 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 for coming on this sh- uh, episode and coming on the show again. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you the question here. Uh, what is your experience with the stand? Because we're not going to do all of the intro stuff, like listen to part one if you want to the characters and learn the history of the book and why it's related to the, to the dark tower but i want to get that part of the introduction because you were not on episode one and i want to know uh you know what your relationship is with this sure and i have not listened to episode one yet because it is not out uh this is a very special king book for me because it is the probably the only book or the first book that of, of kings that i read and before i started reading uh the Dark Tower, the only King book that I have read. So hmm. this is this one. This is kind of my my introduction to King, and this this actually has a kind of very special place in my heart. And because I don't know if you talked about this in part one, I think this book in general just gives you you a lot of like, what would you do in this situation? Kind of wandering yeah. and daydreaming. It's a very um, particular kind of post-apocalyptic story, and I think that it feels it feels purer than some other expressions of this because the only difference is that there are fewer people. Like, there is no destruction of cities aside from what happens as a result of fewer people being awake at the switch. There's no, like, zombie aspect to this. Like, literally just everything is dropped to the ground. And there's roughly 1% as many people to, like, inhabit and walk across it. So, yeah, like, I think that that is, the, like, that, that, that is something that uh, appeals to me about this, too. Did you guys do any comparison between this and the, I guess, the current in, in vogue apocalypse narrative, which is Walking Dead? Uh, no, we, we, we really didn't. <laughs> so, okay. Well, I'll, I'll just say I think this second part is a lot alike what The Walking Dead became after it wasn't about the zombies anymore and more about, hey, what kind of societies would show up in this weird world that we now live in? 
Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if, if, if this was a series, they would just lose one settlement and then go start the entire process over again, like happens in that show and on that comic book. <laughs> Well, they they did lose one settlement. Yeah, well, yeah, wait, wait, what? Oh, at the well, end of oh Vegas, at the end of this. Yeah, well, it's just uh, not yeah, not the protagonist settlement. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, there is no uh, uh, strict comparison to The Walking Dead, but I can I can kind of I can kind of see it. This the, this takes such a weird not like a left turn because it's 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 kind of there from some of the early stages of the book but this idea of being set up for a supernatural battle between good and evil there's a definite switch between hey this is a book about the superflu and hey this is a book about god and the devil fighting by proxy right and it's it it goes full on in in the book at least at kind of at this point right because mm-hmm. i remember at the beginning it's not about oh crazy devil powers <laughs> right yeah, in the, the movie, the, in the movie, oh boy, it's like <laughs> devil powers from the start. From the from the opening from the opening frame, uh, you have the uh, you have the crow who's uh, who's who's sitting there. Not the not the comic book hero, the crow, but the you know the the, the raven that is implied to be Flag's pr- pr- proxy. So you didn't end up rereading the book, but you did watch the miniseries to kind of uh, that, prepare for this, right? Yeah, me and Rob Lowe went on a journey together. <laughs> There are so many actors, uh, and I guess by so many, I mean um, Rob, Rob Lowe and Gary Sinise, who would go on to do much more noteworthy stuff after that. Oh, it was, it was, I, like, what was it? Uh, I can never remember his name, but the villain from Robocop, uh, the dad on that eight, that 70s show. Oh, yeah, Red Foreman. Uh, I forget that actor's name, but I know who you're talking about, yeah. Uh, that always is a good time for me. <laughs> Ed Harris is always a good time. Wait, who did uh, who, who did RoboCop guy play in the in the miniseries? Oh God, now oh, you're killing me, Cole. Um, <laughs> hey, look over here. The Bob Kelso from Scrubs was the guy who died. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah for Fran's dad. Fran's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Very strange. Peter Goldsmith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was. He's, he's been old. <laughs> Yeah, he, oh, he he's one of those people. He's like Steve Martin, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, like we, in the in the in the pre-show, you were talking about like oh, some you know some points of comparison or like broad thoughts about the movie adaptation itself. Do you have anything you want to lay down before we get into kind of specifics about that? Uh, mm, I do want to say that I do not, especially with the current political climate. There's definitely a very much a patriotism equals goodness. And badness is this, this weird, like, un-American, co- you know, at people who, you know, who are not, you know, who are not like us. That just does not hold up very well in in the the movie in particular. I think in the book it is in the in the movie, the uh, Las Vegas is just like comically evil. Everyone is like rubbing their hands and shooting guns into the air because they're bad. And they're all, and in, I remember in the book it was, hey, like Las Vegas is a reasonable option, <laughs> right? Yeah, L- Las Vegas is a reasonable option, and things are just a little bit too, too led by fear, right? As opposed to being like a Mad Max, leather and spikes, you know, right. just gunfire in the air, let's all worship Satan kind of thing, right? Yeah, like there's, like 
in the movie, uh, Flag is like turning into a demon left and right. Like there's like you are very clearly like I believe even at one point, one of the uh, one of the four can't remember who is like, you know, exactly who Flag is. And like, yeah, you do, because he turned into the devil literally <laughs> in front of you. Yeah. And, you know, in, in that same scene in the book, he says, like, oh, you know, say his name, say any of them, call him, you know, Nolathotep, call him, you know, Satan, call him any of that kind of stuff, because everybody is afraid to say to say Flag's name. Yeah. And and for good reason in the in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, when did you originally read The Stand? So I was probably a little young. I want to say I would have been eighth grade, maybe starting of high school. Okay. So it was so good. Let's let's just go with the 90s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you, you are definitely not the youngest person to have read it, at least on the show. Uh, Autumn last episode was talking about how she, how she was upset because she started reading it at like age 10. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Which is a little, a little hairy for some mm-hmm. of the stuff that happens here. So, so funny story about age 10. I was also reading the, uh, the Star Trek, like kind of novels in the library because I was a nerd. And some of those are just basically romance books or romance <laughs> novels. They just, uh, they... Monty, looking at you, <laughs> literally just, uh, Riker and, uh, what's her name? Um, Counselor Troy just kind of doing it on different planets. Just, just, just going into each other holodeck style. Yeah, yep. um, yeah. I, I, you have to wonder how often that happened, where somebody would like pitch or write some kind of generic romance story, and then the publisher would say, "Oh, we need a hook. We have an option. I don't know. Option's probably not the right word. We have the license for Star Trek, and we don't have something coming out." Can you take this and rewrite it to be to 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 be these characters? Uh, I think depressingly more often than you think. Yeah, it seems like something they would they would talk about on I don't even own a television. That's a that's a podcast people people say the name of sometimes. That's about bad books. I've listened to a few episodes. <laughs> Has King a romance novel while we're still off on this tangent has king ever written us like a straight up romance novel not as far as i know um most of his yep no I, i'm gonna i'm gonna say no okay <laughs> um yeah so Maybe let's like side podcast i don't know <laughs> <laughs> what's that nothing I was say next off season yep <laughs> just the the romantic works of stephen king i, I don't i don't know that i want to that I'd be too crazy if I reading that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's get into this because, you know, I think we hit the first yeah. 700 pages last time and we've got about 700 pages here, uh, to, 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 to go similar kind of idea. I'm, you know, in taking notes and in talking about this, we're really zoomed out at this point. And there's a lot of stuff that happens in the middle third of this book that can kind of be written off as, and then they started society again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so if if I can, we had a brief email exchange, and you you don't like the and then they started society part. Is that it's it's fine. So this is the okay. So doing it for the show here, and, and so the the pass I did to make the notes. It's the fourth time that I've read the book. Mm-hmm. That doesn't get more interesting. The other stuff does. So I think 
as if I remember, like that's like my bread and butter. Like for some reason, I really like people like, how would you set up the, the, the mail system in like my, one of my favorite books was the Swiss family Robinson when, uh, when I was very young. Cause I was like, Oh, there, this is how you would build this thing. Yeah. I love that stuff too. Yeah. But so, and like, so I, I remember this like working for me. Like I, <laughs> I have a very distinct memory of like, how are we going to punish the guy who got drunk and shot out all the windows in the, the water part of town? Well, <laughs> I think it, I think it shows kind of a, um, a comprehensiveness of thought on King's part for him, like thinking through a lot of the angles of the way this recovery would manifest. Right. Um, I think one of the reasons why this maybe worked for me the first time, but then kind of wore on me was because of the presentation that they chose to make it all like minutes from town meetings, mm. <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, there, 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 there's something about that presentation that that gets just a little, little bit under my skin. And in terms of talking about it, we can hit it in broad strokes because like, what happens when they get the power back on and then they they find out like all these fires start because they realize, oh, people died and they left all their shit on. So, like, yeah. <laughs> what do we do now to solve that problem? I think that is a really cool detail. Like, <laughs> that, that's that is very cool. Yeah. Is it is it necessary? Is it necessary Completely for the, the what's, what, what's that? Completely left out of the movie. <laughs> Of course, yeah. It, like, is it is it necessary for the overall plot? Well, the you know, I, I would I would say pro- probably not. And you know, the people who made the who made the TV miniseries said, said 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 not as well. But like, it's pretty interesting to compare because th- around the time, or actually before we see them get the power back on, like even for that fleeting moment, um, we have already seen <laughs> we we have already seen Vegas. Um, and seeing that, like, they've even got the fountains running again. Mm-hmm. But, like, just uh, the, the the comparison, the difference between how much one side has their shit together versus the other um, actually does bring a little bit of drama to it. Right. And in, and I, in the book, I think that's very effective in that it's a reason why you would, if it, you as the reader would say, well, why wouldn't I want to be in Las Vegas? They've they've got power, they've got lights. And it's, it's, it, if I remember correctly, and I might be wrong here, like one of the only reasons that, uh, the free zone, uh, starts to work on power is because they realize that, oh yeah, these guys are working on it too. <laughs> they've got their arms race, right? Like it's, it's Glenn. Everything is Glenn. He like Glenn is the architect for a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, him supposing that like, yeah, this is, you know, if, if, if what we see in the dreams is true, all of the problem solvers are going to go over there. So we are going to be behind, um, in this, in, in this regard. So we need to make it a priority. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and yeah, I don't like, I, who, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you that like, it is, it, it, it is cool. This may just be me and some level of fatigue falling, falling apart. Like the, um, yeah, that 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 kind of problem solving is cool. I'm less I'm I'm less into like, well, should <laughs> let's take a vote on ratifying the constitution and the and the uh and, and the declaration of independence. Okay. Yeah, I think I got the the better well, I don't know if the better end is right, but in the movie there is literally one parliamentary scene uh, <laughs> where they elect the nine uh and instead of like going through electing them all, they just say 
I say we elect everyone. Mm-hmm. And then says, I think we can do that. And then they have a voice vote and then it's over. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's all, that's that's all of the, I guess, rules and regulations kind of things that they do. Yeah. Um, and, and if I'm remembering correctly, instead of being made the marshal of the free zone in the movie, Stu has made the, the new president of the United States. Is that the case? Oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember. They definitely sing the, uh, to just drive it home, the um, uh, America, is it the, the national anthem just yeah. in, in totality? Like, <laughs> there's, there's a full national anthem saying, just to really drive home that, you know, these are the true patri- patriots, these, you know, these rednecks and Texans. <laughs> not them slick Las Vegas types. Mm, not them West Coasters. Right. You know, the <laughs> West Coast liberal elite. <laughs> um there's a little bit of stuff that we skip before they even get to boulder um what i've kind of titled here loose end journeys because not everybody has gotten there the end of the last episode um nick's party had met mother mother abigail and kind of decided based on her visions yeah let's go to boulder and leave all the signs that we that we um that we can and they you know don't even need to go to hemingford home to see these signs because Everybody is having these dreams like these are in full swing at this point, uh, you know, to the point where um, people in Fran's party and Stu's party, they end up taking uh, like anti-anxiety medicine to uh, to keep themselves asleep because they actually cannot cannot get through. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have right. double trouble with this because, oh, what happens when there are no doctors? Well, somebody that we meet is probably just going to die of appendicitis. Yeah, and that's ugh, yeah, like that's as someone who has had appendicitis. Ugh, yeah, that that would not be pleasant. No, no, and just that, like the, the the poignance of that scene. So it's like it's it's the husband of a husband and wife pair. Stu is down there, you know, monkeying around in in, in his guts, and 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 Periton, she she's there, like Stu, stop. And like he just keeps going like, no, he's he's been dead for 15 minutes. Like, just stop. That's that's just crushing. Yeah. Like, I kind of remember that a bit. It's just like, oh, like I can do it. I almost got it out. Mm-hmm. Nope. No, it's too late. Thank you for trying. Um, yeah. And then she ends up, you know, committing suicide herself um, because of the uh, the loss and the grief. Um, mm-hmm. And that throws that throws Fran off, like, you know, because she's pregnant and nobody knows that. Right. Um, you know, even though she eventually does admit it to Stu shortly after they have have sex with each other, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the this whole scene, like the like the the whole middle part of this book becomes Harold's story in a way, right? Because like we have this small little diversion of them rescuing two women from the woman zoo in Ohio. I always get like a little bit, you know, I get that like, hey, I know that place because they're on I seventy one around uh, Xenia, Ohio. And everybody's wearing like different university shirts and stuff. Like, yeah, that's the that's the road that I drive to go home when I go home to see my parents. Like, oh, the woman zoo is there. Fuck. Yeah, that was thankfully. I do remember that part, and I just remember being like, just real skeeved even back then. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, the like the movie does not doesn't happen. I'm like, all right, good job, movie. <laughs> At least one win. But but <laughs> that zoo in. 
but but that's like that that, that is another post apocalyptic trope, right? Which is what happens when there's a breakdown and all of a sudden bad people are free to victimize as they see fit, right? There, yeah, there, and yeah, the the movie does not as bad as Las, Las Vegas is. It's just kind of bad in a like a we're kind of told that we're bad, but it, it's more like I'm people yelling that they're bad and, <laughs> you know, but there's no, like nobody actually commits any actual acts on screen. Right. Yeah. And so, but in, in the, I do remember the actual text being a little, oof, very, I don't want to say explicit, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is profoundly upsetting. You know, the, the idea that there's this harem who is kept, um, you know, sedated on drugs, like that is not, good at all and there's a little bit of you know like triumph and all of those people getting their head shut off for doing what they did so i don't know maybe yeah. maybe, maybe i'm vindictive <laughs> who knows <laughs> no i mean uh, again this is a uh, yeah uh, uh, yeah just what's so, what, what, what was cooked his cocaine level when he thought up the woman zoo. Oh, I don't yeah. <laughs> yep. You can always, oh, you can always just shift it off. Like, oh, that was the cocaine. That was. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Like, I, that is not my favorite apocalypse trope, but no. And that's going to be the one that's going to come true, isn't it? <sighs> Seems likely. Okay. So when you read this back, back when, did you read the version that had the trash can man and the kid? The trying to remember so so the the the, the, the this is the big difference between the um um the the original version and the, and the expanded version is this okay. little piece of detail about how the trash can man gets to vegas from indiana um and when he meets this character called the kid who's like this greaser kind of guy from louisiana um who ends up so this isn't in the movie um i like no, they, definitely they could they couldn't have filmed this um okay. the, the the you know the the kid is even more unhinged than the trash can man is if you can mm-hmm. believe that he is psychotic he drives around with them you know with with uh with, with trash can man at gunpoint um at one point he nearly shoots trash can man for spilling his cores um because you <laughs> do you think there's any more cores being made uh you know stuff like that like it is a very you know, and Trash Game Man is not equipped really to deal with this. Like at at one point, you know, again, this may this may just be the cocaine and you know, content warning for this kind of stuff. Like they're sleeping in a hotel, and the kid sodomizes Trash Game Man with his gun to in order to coerce him into a sex act. Hmm. No, I do not remember this part. Huh. Huh. Yeah. But so so maybe you read you read some of the uh, some of the original stuff. I might, yeah, I don't know. Like, I also don't. One, eh, maybe I'm glad I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, it just did an impression. The, the, so, so like the, the the kid is very vividly drawn. Like I think this is a this is a good and effective chapter. Again, I I think what I'm realizing is I've got a little bit more bloodlust than you. Um oh. <laughs> because <laughs> because the kid gets his comeuppance. Randall <laughs> Randall Flag is very upset that the kid is threatening Trash Can Man. So he summons, uh, you know, he manifests as a whole pack of wolves that traps the kid in a um in 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 his car in a tunnel as Trash Can Man gets away and like we find out like later on that well, 
<laughs> the kid decided he didn't want to starve to death, so he went out strangling a wolf. Hmm. No, yeah. I, I do not remember. So I might not have read that uh, that edition. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that feels like a detail you would remember. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like a detail you would remember. Yeah, it stuck with me. It's it it, it is very much a. Uh, uh, it's, it, it, let's say pungent imagery. Let's, let, let's call it that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but regardless huh. of like that is done in this really cool chapter that is, you know, trash can man, like he's wandering across the desert. You know, he, he abandons his bike because he thinks that, uh, Vegas is closer than it is. And he is completely sunburned to shit the entire time. Like this is kind of continue. It continues to be part of his transformation into what we see at the end, you know, at the very end of the book, you know, running across the desert, you know, speaking to himself, saying that Las Vegas is uh Cibola, uh Cibola or something like that. The, uh, you know, the, the famous lost city of gold and my life for you and all of that. Like he gets to Vegas and throws himself in the fountain so he can, you know, like be rehydrated. And then like Lloyd takes him in and he gets his, he gets his black stone necklace and all that. Like this is not just, showing how trash game man gets there, but also showing us Las Vegas in full swing, like a city that is functioning about as it did before. Yeah. So, so the part of about him getting into Las Vegas is there. And it's also very much you're like, Oh well, yeah, they don't turn off the light, lights in Las Vegas ever. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good thing they had power at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah. And they, he, you know, he jumps into the, 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 the fountain and it's, yeah, it's, you're like, oh, all right. And it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely before they have power on the other side. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, me- meanwhile, like like Larry's party is heading to Boulder, and this is where we get uh, introduced to, like, Lucy and the judge, but also where Nadine starts showing some, uh, showing some signs as well. Uh, we learn about her, you know, saving herself for Flag. Like, you know, she rejects Larry, and he ends up, with with Lucy uh for good throughout the uh, throughout you know through the rest of the book you know as she is having second thoughts about this oh and while that's happening uh Harold finds and reads the uh the, the friend's diary hmm. oops so <laughs> yep so in the uh in the movie the just uh uh what is it uh Fran just tells Harold she's pregnant with uh <laughs> with uh is it I'm sorry uh Oh, Jesse, with Jesse's kid. Yeah, she's just, yeah, hey, hey, I'm pregnant. And then he's like, I hope we can be friends, but it's kind of creepy. Yeah. He's like, so we can always be friends. <laughs> no, in the in the book, like, she's writing down all these mean things about Harold, and he, you know, spies, he, he spies their, uh, uh, right. you know, like, re- reads that, and there's this whole drama of, like, he has left a fingerprint in chocolate on one of the pages, and that's what leads Fran to break into Harold's house later on. Oh yeah. So, so Fran is like the, you know, as America and apple pie and just all good in the, in this movie, like mm-hmm. Fran does nothing wrong. Played by Molly freaking Ring- Ringwald. <laughs> yeah, of course, because yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but in the book, obviously, yeah, she's there's, Hey, like the people in the, you know, the, the main characters of the Boulder free zone, are are not are, are perfect in the movie but not so much in the book right right well none of what she writes about harold is wrong <laughs> she she <laughs> she, is, she is correct in her assessment um <laughs> just because he's you know just 
kills people and well yeah yeah i mean the 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 the, the killing came later (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) but yeah uh, harold has kind of a similar break after after reading this and after realizing he doesn't have a chance like he turns into just this kind of smiling politician that is Mm -hmm. that that everybody is put off by you know he just kind of hides behind this genteel um, yeah, <laughs> kind of appearance. He has he has literally the best post apocalyptic jacket in the movie. Like <laughs> it is, it's a leather jacket and is just covered with just. I, they might have a use, but they look like useless bumps, <laughs> useless silver bumps. Does the, the does he get that when they're on the road, or does he? I, I I seem to recall him like having a costume change right around the time he starts falling in with Nadine. And they like they they decide okay well we've got to we've got to be our bad guy versions now. No, he he has it basically uh, <laughs> when uh, yeah no when pretty much from the start like yeah. like they show up on motorcycles with the uh, um with Glenn and uh, and Jesse uh-huh. and he's wearing this just already he's already he's in full post apocalyptic mode. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if they did that to tr- try and hide his figure in the movie because it's impossible to to imagine casting Corin Nemec as 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 as, as a fat loser. <laughs> just, he's not he's not particularly fat though. That's the he's no, just kind of no. He's, he's like he's just like a he's Parker Lewis man. He he, he can't lose. <laughs> he's just kind of nebbish and yeah. I think he is he in the book is he a uh, a writer. The beginning yes oh yeah he, he, he is the consummate writer he's the stephen king stand-in in this see so he doesn't he's not a blue-collar laborer he's obviously one of those east coast liberals <laughs> therefore it's obvious you would have to you'd have to cross over <laughs> um <laughs> so that's all the pieces as everybody starts kind of working their way into the boulder free zone into the section where they are you know, kind of getting getting everything set up. Uh, Mother Abigail is posted there, and she is loving being the center of attention, which ends up being her perceived mortal sin, really, the mortal sin of pride, um, and what ultimately drives her away. But we get this kind of tense scene as Nadine comes to greet her, and Joe, the little wild boy that she has with her, um, mm-hmm. upon seeing and meeting Mother Abigail, like, gets his words back. Like, he comes to... Uh, and just loves Mother Abigail and kind of leaves Nadine abandoned. So this is another kind of strike against her integrity as a person because she has lost her role as a caretaker over this, you know, little boy who was utterly dependent on her. Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember who the character was in the book, and I, she has a name, but it's not uh, it's not Nadine. Um, but the boy is cared by this just by another woman. Oh, taken care of by Lucy. Yeah, I think she starts with Lucy. Uh, they yeah. meet up with Larry. Mm-hmm. Then they eventually find their way to Boulder at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's... yeah. That, so the, the woman who was taking care of the... Lucy, yeah, sorry. Lucy, Larry. But and they, they, they get to Boulder beforehand, and then it's very confusing because Nadine <laughs> was, with, was with Larry at some point, but then she yeah. went on her own, and then she gets back and then there's there is a very tense scene in the book where she's she's talking to mother abigail and mother abigail is using the shine to to notice that she's 
not entirely correct in the head. Right. And you know, to, just to notice, like, immediately everything is cold between the two of them. They can they can sense some kind of antipathy, antipathy as uh, as Nadine is, you know, closer to the dark man than she is to Mother Abigail. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, the movie's, um, treatment of Nadine, like, I think the, 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 the actress that they get to play here is actually really good. Hmm. Um, I, I just, I, I like, I, I, you know, she, I, I, I think she did a pretty good job. Um, you said, oh, and I immediately got defensive. No, no, that was, that was, no, sorry. That was a, an uh, agreement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, it, it gets, uh, no, no, that's, that's, that's all right. No, it's, it's my insecurity. Um, <laughs> well, 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 where it gets confusing is, uh, she, in the, in the TV series, she is a, uh, kind of an amalgamation of, of, of two different characters, uh, you know, where they had her also take the role of, oh, and I forget her name, the person that Larry meets in New York. Um, and you know, they go through the Lincoln Tunnel together. Yeah, right. I, I forget her. The, the, the older socialite. Like they they merge her together, and it sounds like they they messed around with with Nadine as the uh, the caretaker for Joe uh, slash Leo. I, right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because Joe because they they Joe slash Leo was uh, that found outside of Nashville after the trash can man sets it basically on fire. Okay. Nadine goes through the Lincoln Tunnel, uh, and then kind of. Just leaves at some point in the wilderness when you know uh, Flag comes to her in a vision and says, "Hey, yeah, get here." Yeah, and in the book, she's with she's with Larry the whole time. Okay, after yeah, they after they meet up, yeah, I, she definitely does have a um, what is it a uh, uh, the opposite of par- renegade uh, transformation? <laughs> like her hair getting darker, kind of more ashy. As the, as the, <laughs> well, the, the, like in the so she has that white that white stripe that uh that starts getting uh more pronounced like as she has more and more of the bad dreams. Well, it's it's less, it's not even a stripe here. It's 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 her whole whole hair. It's it would be incredibly fashionable now to have this kind of ashy colored hair. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's very much the hey you you've, you've selected the renegade option. <laughs> <laughs> that's why i was laughing when you were trying to find that word because it's it's hilarious that you that you conceptualize that mora- morality in terms of mass effect so yeah nadine is going through a fable-esque journey here where because <laughs> she picked the bad choice too many times and specialized in bows she's very uh gaunt and <laughs> evil looking yeah it's funny how bows make you evil oh yeah i mean yeah, i mean even robin hood is the best person to ever use a bow and He's a filthy communist. Blah. Redistribute this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Like the, 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 there's a there's a point like after one of the visions where uh, where Nadine's hair goes entirely white. Like that is the visual symbol of her kind of like complete transformation going over going over to Flag's side. Mm. Yeah. So like it's 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 a pretty cool image where they describe her like she's already like this statuesque beautiful woman who has that noticeable feature of the stripe in her hair and then just all of a sudden she has this just gigantic shock of just pure white hair um and there's a there, there's a particular image later on that is especially striking with that um yeah the real the real thing that actually happens i forget what the name of it is called it starts with an a hmm. i i'm aware of it in media you know right what's that when i say it's Thing that actually happens it's it's a real thing that actually happens in movies <laughs> it happens to rogue in x-men <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
but they're kind of getting posted up. They're like going to get in, you know, they're, they're, they're taking over these houses. There's this, there's this beat that Boulder had this mass evacuation because people thought that the plague was coming from a nearby air treatment center. So that's why there are like no bodies in this whole town. And so they're just taking up residence, um, you know, in these, and and these houses. And I have to imagine like that can't go on forever. Like the people who get on the ground floor have to have the entire run of the place. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and people who arrive like three months later, they're going to be down in the shacks. Um, oh, but yeah, they're hermit crabbing in all these, in all these old places. Larry arrives. Um, and he, uh, immediately goes looking for Harold because he has, you know, this affection, this conception of Harold as this heroic, you know, 30 something incredibly practical man who is you know, just kind of surviving by his wit and his knowledge and his gumption. Um, and he is really, really surprised to find out that, um, he not only is this smiling little dweeb, uh, but also like Leo slash Joe has this real bad vibe vibe to him. Like just like Leo will not go inside Harold's house. He's just too too put off. Yeah. So in the movie this is not played up a lot, like but again, we've also been told that we don't like Harold. <laughs> Yeah, they, they 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 go to lengths to have Harry uh, Harry to have Larry uh, figure it out for himself, which is okay. which is probably movie, good. Yeah, nobody nobody figures it out in the movie. <laughs> it just like the the moment they figure it out is when the house blows up. Right. <laughs> when the, 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 the moment the moment they figure it out is when Stephen King cures his writer's block. Yeah, <laughs> you know you know that story, right? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah. Um, so what were, it, it makes sense to talk about here. So he got so wrapped up in the process of like having these characters get to Boulder and set everything up that he lost all sense of like the best way to move things forward because the story got incredibly crowded with too many people and just like not enough motivation to actually go and have the stand, uh, and, you know, to actually face, to face down flag in the desert. So that is literally where this plot with Harold came from, you know, mm. <laughs> uh, to have him start putting together the plan to blow up the free zone committee. To, right. Because to thin, to, to thin the, the numbers and to give them a reason to go. Because yeah, if, if there's no, like without Harold as kind of this exciting with this inciting incident with Harold, there's really, no reason to go to Las Vegas at this point. Like, why would you? You've, like you said, you've got this whole city full of resources, which probably is doing okay. Like, yeah. I've been to Boulder; it's very nice, actually. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, why would you? Why would you ever leave? And that's that's actually a that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just uh, I, I read that story in on writing uh, before I even read the stand. So, like, this part of it was a little bit. Um, messed up for me uh, because you know spoiled. Uh, you know he even apologizes. Like, Man, I feel really bad about what I did to Nick there. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> that that was what led me to read the stand before any of the, any of the other books, in spite of its length. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's very true. Like, cause, like there's yeah, there's no reason to go to there's no reason to go to L.A. Nope. I mean, well, there's no reason to go go good either L.A. or Las Vegas. 
Oh God! Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. There's no reason at all to go to LA. <laughs> um, but but yeah, Larry's put off by him. This is around the time when Fran sees the the, the chocolate fingerprint. Uh, as we again cut over to Harold, like writing his edge lord shit in the book, like you know the 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 the, the principal sin of man is not pride. Uh, you know, sin is a ver- uh, pride is a virtue. You know, it's a man taking like basically like I I I ran for dummies kind of stuff is what he's writing. It's really hilarious. You know what this is replaced with in the movie? Well, what is it? I believe <laughs> he listens to too much Saturday Night on very loud. <laughs> Wait, what's Saturday Night? Uh, hmm? Did, like too much whiskey gets me tired. By tomorrow I'll be all right. <laughs> okay, it's a it's a song. <laughs> Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I've, I. So. So the 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 music is what turns him. Is he? Uh, is, is that 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 is his expression? It is not his kind of Nietzschean philosophy. It is. It is just so, his. So he's he's been turned at this point by yeah. uh, Nicking and the promise of sex or actual sex actually. Right. Uh. And but then he 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 he's, he gets some dynamite and starts. He goes into a basement, blasts this song, and like starts. <sighs> on dynamite i don't think he's smoking but like that's that could have been in there <laughs> it, it, it would not be out of place in that particular in that particular depiction of here's a person who is morally questionable right yeah and like nadine comes up and is like what what the hell are you doing and he's like shut up you know what i'm doing get out of here don't sit off dynamite nadine my dear are you aware that that dynamite sweats nitroglycerin <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> little nerd stop it make some friends yeah. oh, completely mansplains <laughs> he's full mra at this point oh for sure oh my gosh mansplain is exactly what he does uh and that, that's that's part of what uh what fran is writing about saying like oh gosh why does he always have to chime in and insufferably explain something before anybody else can talk <laughs> uh s- s- yeah. said a person who does that all the time when he is hosting a show um it's okay, Cole. <laughs> Just <laughs> Mother well, Abigail, welcome you back. Okay, with, with 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 open arms for as long as she as she remains in the zone. Anyway. <laughs> oh, hi. hey, doggy. Uh, so there's more parliamentary stuff as the you know the ad hoc committee becomes the uh, you know the free zone. They approve the burial uh, committee and also start picking their spies because what they want to do is figure out exactly exactly where las vegas is at uh, and they settle on three uh, and here are the three who they choose uh str- str- strangely enough so larry nominates the judge who's this old guy uh who totally understands like he like he, he foresaw that something like this would happen um and like leaves that same day the judge i remember in the movie is a real badass yeah he's he's pretty great he's a he is a character actor and i cannot remember his name I'd, yeah, I I I can't. Well, uh, <laughs> well, you, you tell us about the other two spies. Yeah, um, the, the the other one is uh, one of the people that they rescued from the woman's zoo, uh, Dana Jurgens, uh, who's just kind of this tough woman who, you know, they decide yeah she's going to be really capable. Uh, we know that she is going to uh, be able to take care of herself at the very least. Uh, she has this plan. She's going to use her Ezio Auditore assassin's knife, uh, the spring loaded <laughs> knife on her wrist to uh, to stab Flag if she gets the chance, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And the final one um, is nominated by Nick, and it ends up being a little bit of a stroke of genius for the way the cosmology of this of this book works. Uh, is Tom Cullen, 
you'll remember Tom, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the mentally handicapped person that they met, um, in Oklahoma, uh, you know, body of a man, mind of a child, kind of mm-hmm. your stereotypical Stephen King, um, depiction of, of, of this kind of condition, you know, pure as the driven snow, nice, happy, all of that. And they decide that like, we can actually program Tom with, um, Oops. hypnosis. <laughs> What's that? Uh, <laughs> so I, we, maybe we come back to that, but mm, so this is like my least favorite Stephen King trope. It's not great. No, it is not the, the special power of uh, the developmentally disabled. Yes. And like I, from a, and I kind of get that if you, if you think about it, I assume that King is probably some kind of, uh, Christian and that the, you know, that the, the mentally disabled hold a special place in God's heart kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's something he relies on quite a bit. Uh, you know, the nice thing is that you don't really like, you don't see it that much in his writing after a certain point, but there was a there was definitely a time when that seemed to be his his whole deal. Um, if I'm if, if if I'm if I'm looking at this, I would much rather I would much rather he talk about the actual like mysticism of children as opposed to uh, his other two favorite. Uh, kind of topics at this time, the developmentally disabled or people of color. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's not good, but it is what it is. And I'm, you know, just, yeah. To Tom is an, he, he is a very likable, uh, very likable character and incredibly capable too. Um, and everybody in the book um, outside of Nick is really kind of aghast that they would, that they would even talk about doing this. Um, that doesn't actually justify King's choice in this. The reason this ends up being something of a uh, of of a good choice, you know, because of the Deus Ex Machina that is the entire <laughs> last leg of this book, um, is um the fact that because of Tom's mental state, um, I mean, I'm, I'm walking on eggshells as, as I describe this. I hope I don't say anything insensitive. I'm sorry if I do. Uh, you know, but 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 because of because of Tom's mental state, uh, Flag can't see him. Like he falls below, um, he fa- he falls below the you know the radar for the you know for, for for Flag's ability to read minds. Additionally, you know when they go to hypnotize Tom, he ends up speaking for God. Like there are you know like he is straight up a conduit for prophecy at that point in a way that creeps everybody out. Yeah, <laughs> have you ever been hypnotized, Cole? No, I'm not sure it's a thing. So. It's it is a thing. It's not as much of a thing as described. Okay, you become God's conduit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't and even so, I don't even know that I like go in for the like the office space interpretation of it, but that might just be like unnecessary skepticism on my part. No, I, no, it's definitely like even office space is a huge exaggeration. As someone who has been hypnotized, it is like, probably like. 70% enthusiasm and 10 30% a, a thing. <laughs> they, they they even say in the book that you couldn't hypnotize somebody to do something they weren't otherwise going to do. Like they they talk about how immoral it would be to program him to be a killer. Like no, he he wouldn't kill anybody and he wouldn't do that even if we, you know, programmed him to do it. Here uh, forgive me if this question is too personal. Were you have you undergone hypnosis? I like what was it, like an entertainment thing or was it, was it, it was a therapeutic? It was at college and it was a show. It was so, a show. Okay. 
yeah, yeah, it was. No, I, I, I was not selected to be a a spy in Las Vegas. <laughs> you're, not, you're not oh. some kind of Manchurian candidate. Yeah, no, I I will not be activated at any point. <laughs> okay, cool. So I can say bananas foster. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay. Woo. <laughs> See, that would have activated you. All right, that's delicious. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Oh, it's, 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 di- <laughs> it's dinner and a show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, they have picked their spies, um, and they're mostly getting on their way. I kind of condensed that. There are a couple of chapters of them getting everything together. Uh, but as this is happening, and before they have their real first big meeting, Mother Abigail, uh, her her phone line with God gets cut off. The line goes dead. Mm. Um, you know, she stops feeling his presence, stop, stops feeling his word, and she decides that she has committed the sin of pride by forgetting their actual role here, which isn't to rebuild America, but actually to set up and go deal with the dark man. Their only purpose why they were saved, the only purpose why they were drawn to one place was not to do what everybody's doing, but to make this happen. And so she goes out to the wilderness to have her own kind of experience which throws the in throws the entire free zone into this kind of tailspin of panic right because they have lost they have lost their moral center as they uh you know have gained a new civic center so i'm gonna say can can we do differences between the movie (laughs) um this actually they send the spies in the exact opposite order Hmm. so yeah so tom colin goes first uh, then uh, Diana, and then the judge is the last. Yeah. Um, and then, but they do it after they they have a the whole scene where everyone you know elects the nine, and yeah. then they sing the the or the national anthem. Uh, but it's at, during that meeting that Ab- Mother Abigail actually goes mi- missing. Oh wow. But yeah. So Mother Abigail goes missing. Then they send the spies, or they <laughs> yeah they elect them. Then they send the spies. Yeah, yeah. Like in in the book, it's just one day Mother Abigail is gone, and they start organizing their uh, organizing the search party and stuff. But everything else continues, and they don't actually even start, organize a search party for her. It's kind of like <laughs> eh, the search party leads to a cool moment, though, where you know H- Harold is the one who's most enthusiastic about it, but he wants to get Stu alone so he can kill him. Um, yeah, no, they don't. They do not care to find Mother Abigail. They're they're much more fatalistic. It's more like. <laughs> I guess she's gone. They're fatalistic in the book that they at least make a motion to try. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Just like, eh, it's very like, they're very trusting of, of, uh, their, their, what fate and God in this book. It's just, yep, this whole things will work out. Yeah. There's a little bit more doubt. Like the, like the, the total infallibility of faith, unwavering faith doesn't come until the group reaches Vegas, um, in the book. No, by, by the time the free zone is established, it's we're we're in full cult. It, it it is a functioning theocracy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, Stu uh, ends up disarming uh, Harold by inviting him to dinner, saying like, "Yeah, I'm really sorry about the way things shook out. I know you were disappointed about me ending up ending up with Fran, but why don't you come? Let's let's break bread. Let's mend fences. Let's uh, verb nouns." And, you know, make, make up and that puts Harold off of his guard and his Harold's kind of an arc here is really interesting to me because he has every opportunity to stop right here. Um, later on when he's on the burial committee, he realizes he thinks people are making fun of him 
by giving him a nickname, they start calling him Hawk. Like, why would they call fat old Harold Hawk? Well, by this point, he is stu- he has, he's he's lost weight. He no longer has his acne. He's walked across America. Like he's gotten his stuff together. He started, you know, even if he is creepy and smiling at everybody, he's st- he has started, uh, you know, not correcting people and things like that. Like he's gotten everything together, and he realizes that he has friends, um, and he has several moments where it's like, okay, I could accept this, or or. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll get we'll get to the or here, I suppose. Right. Yeah. So it's the exact opposite in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Harold spends the day kind of cleaning out a church and compares, like, says, "Well, better if you just think about them as cordwood." And then we see a a dump truck dumping bodies into a mass grave. Yeah. And Harold stares off into the middle distance and <laughs> thinks, "Okay, they're cordwood, so I can blow them up." You know, like they do with cordwood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How much cord would you blow up this week? <laughs> How much cord would would a cord? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, see. I can't do it. Too too many syllables. Um, uh-huh. I so I, I admit I didn't watch the miniseries. Did they have Kojak? Uh, his, his chapter uh, nope. with his his point of view thing. Do you remember that from uh, from way back when? Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> Kojak is um, kind of just uh, uh, when Glenn when he's he's with Glenn in the beginning and he stays with Glenn pretty much to the end mm-hmm. yeah well oh, not till the till the, we get to the washout right right and then he becomes Stu's savior yes but yeah <laughs> he's with glenn until the washout essentially yeah yeah uh we get a we get like a little chapter section where kojak who is such a good dog uh you know they they left him behind up in maine um so that they could ride their motorcycles he walks across america he homeward bounds to get to them and he fights off wolves on the way because he isn't you know, just a dog. He is God's dog. You know what? They don't do not address why the dog cannot ride a motorcycle. If anyone's <laughs> a fan campaign pod dog, send me a picture of Kojak riding a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> if Kojak wore pants, would it look like this, this, or would he be on a motorcycle? <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty affecting, uh, you know, to have Glenn crying, um, feeling bad that he left Kojak behind and just the undying loyalty of a dog as he walks across America to get to his owner. Like, um, yeah, like that's, I, I love dogs. I got two. So yeah. Yeah. Movie, yeah. You know. <laughs> and like nothing terrible happens to Kojak in this aside from him surviving the wolf attack. Like they even say he lives an implausibly long time after, and you know, after, after he gets back, like they say he, outlit- <laughs> what's that? <laughs> They're good dogs, Cole. <laughs> I know they're good dogs, but it seems very strange that he that that he would live sixteen years after Glenn dies. Most they're dogs don't dogs live sixteen Cole. years. Well, they're okay. I understand they're very good dogs. Okay, you know I I, I get it. I believe you. Okay, uh, <laughs> I believe you, Murph. <laughs> I'll be the uh, mother Abigail of dogs. Okay. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, the stand, but the all dog edition. And then oh, there's there, there's there's a man named Kojak who follows his dog across the country. <laughs> Fights a bunch of I guess it would be monkeys. Yeah, yeah, it would just be monkeys. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'd read that book. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's just let's just wait, let's wait thirty years until the stand falls into the public domain, and then we can pride prejudice and zombies this bitch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Got, All right. This is this is how I retire. <laughs> <laughs> the stand, comma, but dogs. <laughs> so, uh, 
uh larry is brought onto the committee and they had their first meeting um nadine desperately goes to larry because she feels that she's on the edge as well but like he's with lucy he chooses lucy over her and lucy heartbreakingly um has just said oh well she's come for you i guess you're going to leave me for her and like this is a difficult decision for larry because remember he ain't no nice guy yeah right in the movie this is a very easy decision and he basically knocks her down (laughs) (laughs) there's a little bit more temptation but the choice is clear he has to you know be with the person that he knows he is good for and who is good for him you know as opposed to as opposed to nadine who is you know not right now yeah in the in the movie this is very much larry's like hey get back in the house right i'm gonna have this conversation with nadine knocks her to the lawn (laughs) Jeez, <laughs> little little harsh. Yeah. No, I mean, it literally does. Like, yeah, no, it's like it's 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 not great. I remember the scene you're talking about. Yeah, and just yeah. was like, get out of here. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And in the she... in in the in the book, it's more of a it, it it is more of kind of like an emotional violence kind of thing. Like she she begs him, like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, if oh, you, the if you say goodbye to me, good. It's very much a physical act of violence. Ugh, no good. Um, but she leaves this and goes and gets a Ouija board and gets one of her first real messages from flag, um, with the very creepy flashback scene to her in college, actually, you know, having, uh, like going to a party and there was a Ouija board and getting another message from what appears to be an inter, uh, an interdimensional stalker who is coming after her revealing that kind of, she has been, she has been marked by flag since early age as being the prophecy wife who was promised to him no so yeah in the movie nadine has been receiving very vivid visions every time she goes to sleep uh since new york mm-hmm. well so she wasn't nadine in the book but the, the person who was nadine yeah. so at this point at this point they're both nadine they uh, nadine yeah yeah at this point but yeah she's been <laughs> dream visions and, yeah and uh, is at this point has in the book, I can't. Has Flag said you're my, you are, you will be my wife. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. that that's what comes through on the Ouija board. Like, oh, oh, Nadine, Nadine, how I love to love Nadine, Nadine, my queen, stuff like that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's okay. So we're reason. <laughs> so I, I believe even uh, so, Nadine goes into her house. It, it gets real quick, kind of creepy. Uh, Flag actually shows up in maybe not in person, but a she sees Flag. And she's like, "Hey, um, I need you to go seduce Harold, but remember that you're you're my queen." Yeah, um, and it's it gets it gets to be super creepy because she goes to Harold, uh, you know, who who is I I guess technically an adult, but kind of half her age, and tempts him with kinky kinky sex and technical virginity. Uh, I think it's it's more explicit in the movie, which is weirdly. Makes more sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, she goes to him and says, like, hey, you know, you're a virgin. I'm a virgin, too. I'm going to stay that way. But isn't that only one little thing? And we can do so much more. I can I can basically I can basically be your whore, um, you know, and we can work together to get to Vegas. But understand that I am meant for somebody else. Yeah, they just have sex in the movie. Okay. Yeah. So so that's. <laughs> That's kind of funny because them just having sex is a little bit more in the mainstream than what happens 
than what happens right. in the in, in in the book, which you'll remember is like Harold immediately goes to like some varsity level stuff, like you know leather and straps and just like straight up BDSM age play um, schoolgirl kind of shit. Now in the movie, they there's it, it's a protracted scene, which was <laughs> it, it is it is a very weird contrast as to what is acceptable in American society and what is not. Yeah. But like the, the purpose that this serves is not just gr- gratuitous. Like, Hey, let's, let's write about my self insert character getting some, um, it is more about them kind of sealing their fate. You know, flag has intervened to, you know, push Nadine who has just been rejected, you know, by, by, by Larry he has no real place, no real option. She's lost her, you know, her, her, her son figure right? in, uh, in, in Joe, you know, toward Harold, you know, who is questioning whether or not he can stay. Like there is a certain, a certain logic to this, right? Yeah. And in the movie as well, like this is at this point, Harold has not committed, but after this he is right. And we get the too much Saturday night scene. (laughs) Right. As he starts uh, using walkie talkies to rig, uh, to, to, to to rig up some bombs. Um, there's a little bit of a scene where, um, a new a new group rolls into town and a woman delivers twins but they but they die making fran kind of freak out wondering how her baby's immunity will work since jesse died in the plague or you know her her baby daddy died in the plague um right. that's resolved later on but like that is you know from the appendicitis up to this you know it has continued to be a a, a moment of a moment of tension um and to throw more tension onto that larry and fran go back to Harold's home because Fran had broken in there before where they see the walkie talkies and the lengths, the lengths of wire, but they don't actually put two and two together. They just think that he's trying to like improve the walkie talkies in their range. What they do find is Harold's diary his edge Lord Nietzsche shit and um, his declaration that he wants to kill Stu. Oh, huh. okay. Yeah. So just to go back a little bit, I think this, this tension with the, the babies thing is actually really good. Yes, because you're like, well, is is all this for naught? Like, do we just uh, just do we just you know take a knee as a race, or is is there hope? Right. Uh, but in the movie, like nobody suspects Harold. There's no reason to suspect Harold. He kind of just it comes literally out of nowhere. Like we don't get these breaking into his house scenes. No, no. Um, so that like the fact that they are that close to it. Um, and Larry even beats himself up for this later on because he saw all the pieces. He just didn't put them together. Um, makes it a little bit more poignant, I think. You know, yeah. when, when they when they could have stopped it but didn't. Yeah, that that's always that's always a little bit better. Like when you better when a tragedy is is preventable, right? Right. And in fiction, in fiction, in, in, in fiction. Yeah, there, there, there we go. Good, 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 good. See why. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not evil. I'm not flat at all. Hey, you realize you could have muted that, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Use my crow powers. <laughs> oh no! And he's gone, and I'm here alone. We can finish it, I suppose. <laughs> no. Um, Nadine gets her last transmission from Flag in a really spooky scene where she goes to a um, where she goes to a drive-in. And Flag speaks to her through all the speakers on the poles. Um, so is is this the point where we we fully like we were full, um, supernatural? 
Uh, maybe. Like, it, I mean, it's around this point, if not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like, like at this point, when Flag is manipulating everybody through Ouija boards and like dreams and premonitions and stuff like that, like directly influencing people to do his bidding. Yeah, we're 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 full supernatural. Right. So yeah, like the so it's. I mean, before before this point, I think we kind of like it could have been like, ah, oh, well, maybe you just got lucky. Maybe you, maybe that guy was crazy. <laughs> But at, at this point, I think we're like, okay, yes, the the god and, and the devil exist. They're talking. We're this is what this book is about. Yes, I laid this out at the beginning of the previous episode when we were talking about the generalities for the book. But like, it is a little bit, I don't know, like strange. Um, but it is something you just kind of have to accept with the book. Like table stakes is that okay, God and Satan are real and they are fighting through us on this, that this is the direction the book took, you know, can be, you know, like to, to me be seen as like a less interesting, a less interesting choice than could have been made that it like, that it is just straight up Christian theology. Oh yeah. 100%. Like I am the ambiguity of if, if there's some ambiguity, that's always just more interesting because then you get two stories, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Two for one. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, but this, at this point we're, this, we're basically in the left behind series. Yeah. Yeah. That's a comparison that I, that, that I sometimes make when I'm being less than generous to this book. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I, I want to say that no, this is, this is better than the left behind series. Like hmm. I'll, Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I, you know, I'll go with that, but yeah. So into like, so left, left behind sucks a, because it's, you know, kind of not so uh but b because it has a really you know retrograde agenda right like what yeah. is it like in the left behind video game only women could be the medical um <laughs> <laughs> like only on the forces of good only women could be the uh like the support unit that healed people like huh okay that's that 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 kind of sucks um insofar as the stand has an agenda what it is saying like it's 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 almost like an environmental message more than anything Right. Just that the evils of man are allowed to exist when we are so comfortable that we, you know, thrive to the point where we start tearing or tearing ourselves apart. Right. And and also, I'm going to I'm I'm, going to walk back a little bit. Not a lot. I'm just going to say I'm not saying that this is my you know, this is hey, we should all the messages in the stand are great. No, no. I think there are. But I think it's it's a you know, it's okay to. It is okay to enjoy media, even though there are problems with it. Absolutely, it's okay to like a video game. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to like a video game. It's okay. It's it's okay to do an entire podcast about Stephen King, even if most of his work deals with people of color in a way that is pretty, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty hinky a lot of the time. Right, or at least was for a while. Then he got better. Right. Hey, oh yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Yes. Yes. There we go. It is. It is okay to like things, even though they are flawed. And in some ways, that is that 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 is an okay and laudable way to go. See, there we go. We 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 made it about it. We made it about how cool we are. So the NFL. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the NFL. I really don't. Well, I never want to talk about the NFL. But... Okay. Yeah. Um, so. The climactic scene here and what really is, you know, the, the, the first of a couple of climaxes, because this book has some real ending fatigue, I think. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we definitely will. 
um the free zone is having their meeting it's about some real kind of you know menial stuff they start getting like uh, premonitions you know fran starts thinking like hey are the walls closing in like she you know just can't breathe everybody's like hey something is something is wrong um are those motorcycles out there what's happening oh it turns out mother abigail's back in town why don't we run outside nick you know our <laughs> somebody who seemed like he was going to be like the main hero of this outside of Stu, um actually finds the bomb that harold is placed and starts trying to defuse it um when the house blows up right uh, Lowe dies a heroic death yep <laughs> <laughs> and in heaven he can speak so yeah um yes that that comes in later in the movie, but yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's later here too. Like he's, he speaks solely to, uh, to Tom, like Nick ends up being a hero and serves a purpose well after he dies. Um, yeah, but that's just yep. amusing. Well, that's another, <laughs> it's, 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 it's another thing. Um, the thing. <laughs> yeah. Harold ends up, you know, like he, he's the one who detonated this. He, you know, fired it off with a walkie talkie. Um, of course he had to speak. He had to speak in order to make this happen. He didn't just press the button and go away. His, you know, the, the, the final words that Nick would have heard, um, if he would have, um, been able to hear were I'm Harold Emery Lauder. And I do this of my own free will, which is actually really important for the way Harold's story ends. Right. Yeah. He's it's, mm. Uh, I don't. I don't think I would call it a redemption arc, but he, uh, yeah, it, it it is a it is a move. At least he understands that he did something really terrible. Like there's there's no redemption in that, and he doesn't ask for it either. Um, we'll we'll, we'll get there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like this is terrible. Everybody on the free zone committee is 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 done. Pretty pretty much, they just have. You know, I think Fran, Ralph, like Sue Stern is dead. Uh, Nick is dead. Um, like Fran, Ralph, Stu, and Larry um, and Glenn are the only people who are left. Um, Mother Abigail is in a really bad way. Like a medical examiner gets up and says, yeah, she's been subsisting on like basically um, roots and berries. You know, she's 108 <laughs> years old. You know, she's frostbitten all over the place. She's basically a skeleton at this point. Um, right. and she's in a coma and we have no idea, um, when she's going to die, but it is go, it is going to happen. And yeah, they, it, they finally have their long, their long delayed conversation about what they're going to do about the dark man. But that is obviated by what they talk about, you know, in the next bullet point here. Yep. And then she, mother Abigail just says, Hey, in a, in very kind of, so I guess, I, I guess I want to say one of the things that this kind of drives home and is very a big point about this, I don't want, I wouldn't say this book is fantasy, but it is very kind of biblical. Yep. That it, if that is a weird kind of comparison to make, and that's kind of the difference between hard sci-fi and low sci-fi. So sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is dealing explicitly in prophecy. Right. Yeah. But it, like the level of supernatural is, and I know we just had that thing is is kind of at a, at a biblical level where, you know, someone gets touched and then they're miraculous. It's it's healed, but it's not like a firework show goes off or right, like right. throws a a fireball or something like that. It's yeah. you know, it's very it's subtle. You could you could explain it on something else. Mm -hmm. And and even here, this is hey, 
this is this is some straight out of the Bible shit. Like, don't take anything. Just just go. Just yeah. you don't don't need anything. Trust in God. Yeah. You know, it's a former Catholic. And like, this is pretty much they had said. And then Mother Abigail commanded <laughs> Stu, Larry, Ralph, and Glenn into the wilderness for forty days. That, that, I mean, that's that's straight up called out like later on, you know, they're like as as they are walking west. So the mission they are given is to walk, you know, is, is to walk west to Vegas. You know, don't don't ride. Don't take anything with you. Like it is just the clothes on your back. Like, you know, go go at this particular time and, you know, you walk until you get there. If one of you falls, if Stu falls, Larry will lead. If Larry falls, Ralph, Ralph leads. And Glenn, if you're alone, you go there alone. So in, in the book, does Mother Abigail say that one of you will one of you will fall? Yes. One of you won't make it. Is, is, okay. is, is what she says. Yeah. Um, and much like prophecy, there's a trick. It's a it's a trick prophecy. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, the, 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 that's all. That's also accompanied by like one of the chapters ends with, and Larry, Ralph, and Glad never saw Stu again. Yeah. And you think, oh well, okay, Stu's done for. Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, trick prophecy got you. Got- Double twist him up, double twist him up, gotcha. Uh, going back to the 40, 40 days and 40 nights thing, like Glenn is talking about what they're experiencing as they're walking, uh, you know, uh, across the desert pretty much. You know, it's not quite blistering hot out because it's late in the year, but like he says, you know, usually they're, you know, it's believed that this is part of like a like a great cleansing, almost a cleansing of the spirit as you, you know, walk and everything, you know, falls away from you and all that is left is a conduit to God. Have you ever, uh, so sorry, just a, have you ever been out into that area, Cole? No, no, I've, I've been to the, to the Salt Lake city airport and that's about it. Okay. So it's, so I live in Florida and the heat here is different. Yep. Uh, Heat here sucks. (laughs) Everything moves. Um, everything feels like an armpit. Yeah. It's, it's bad. Yeah. Uh, the heat in kind of the Vegas Boulder area is nice <laughs> yeah i mean it's 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 that cliche right well at least it's a dry heat right yeah it, it, as as someone who's experienced both mm-hmm. i mean the dry heat 24 7 i i would i would take it like 10 degrees hotter if it was dry yeah and like i, I can well, I've, I've been to vegas once mm-hmm. i can breathe in vegas because everything dries up <laughs> yes yeah, well, that's that's, said, that's like a reason I, why old people move to Arizona is because yeah. is because it's easier on the respiratory system and stuff like that is a recommendation that doctors have made in the past. And but that said, I would not want to walk in Vegas for very long without a drink. <laughs> in the book, they describe like one particular stretch as they as they're going going like I think south of Utah. Um, like oh, it's a it's going to be a hundred miles until we see even a rest stop. Oof. <laughs> Oof. yeah that's yeah like that's the other thing i'm i'm used to like civilization yeah and not in like oh haha cities like <laughs> just you just, might have to go 10 miles but you'll you'll see a house of course yeah and that house will protect you from any number of elements right and, but i have also been out there and it's just like yeah there's a maybe 100 miles you might see something yeah like what <laughs> That's one of my absolute fears. Uh, just being trapped in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but just cornfields. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, Kansas. Ugh. Ugh, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, Mother Abigail passes passes away. Um, you know that 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 is the final 
the final thing she heals fran from her from her from her whiplash the baby is fine fran is you know destroyed that Stu is gonna go she doesn't think she's ever gonna see him again but they go um and we get into the final book of the stand which is appropriately called the stand you know it's a it's a, it's a three book book yo i heard you liked books um <laughs> but the beginning good yeah so what what could you do for me <laughs> well i could i could put a book in your book it's the exhibit name. <laughs> okay um yeah um and at the, so finally at the beginning of this kind of third act the beginning of this uh kind of daniel Malt, rather um you get a glimpse of what's happening in vegas you see the walking dudes operations like i mm-hmm. wanted more of this right yeah I, I love this stuff so goddamn much <laughs> <laughs> and it opens up in a really cool in a really cool and kind of bone chilling way with the judge you know, trying to cross over um, the border from Oregon into California. Um, and the sentries that they set up at the picket, you know, chasing him down, Flag's orders are for them to kill the judge, but, like, don't harm his head. If, like, if there's even a scratch on his head, you know, you're you're done because I want to send it back to them so they know not to fuck with me. Right? Right. Well, one of the guards ends up, like shoots him in the head four times. It's like four miraculous shots and it's an inverse pulp fiction. Right. <laughs> and there, there's this amazing thing. So I, I, I listened to this on audiobook this time, uh, Gro- Gro- Grover Gardner's the, uh, the, the narrator who did it, uh, his interpretation of this line. Hey, Bobby Terry, you screwed it up. As Flag, you know, who was watching as a raven and then turned into himself so angry that uh, this person messed everything up, runs at him faster than humanly possible. Um, you know, Bobby was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to run. He's going to crucify me. The final words of this chapter are, oh, you know, there were worse things. There, there were things that were worse than crucifixion. There were teeth. Yeah. So in the movie, this scene is just not good. <laughs> <laughs> How much of that has to do with uh, with Jamie Sheridan, Flag's actor? Uh, you know, he's not. He's actually pretty good. Yeah, actually. I kind of like it. he's he's creepy in that. Like the what's his name? Uh, oh, so the the judge is played by Ossie Davis. Okay, by the way, I don't know. He's he, he's a character actor. He's kind of been in some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, right you, you would recognize him. He's a he's a black man. Um, bald, I think, bald and bearded, something. No, no, mustache no. and head full of hair. Mustache full of and head full of, full of hair. Okay, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking of the literally Murph. I am thinking of the judge from Phoenix Wright. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh. <laughs> continue. Can, can continue. Uh, so he, yeah, they stop him. Uh, it's two of them. And then, like the one of yeah, you know, the book does 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 the one guy do a friendly fire, killing the other guy? I think so. Yeah, and then, but it doesn't seem like the the judge like they say, oh yeah, don't don't take his head, but they don't say why. Right. So you're like, is, is he gonna like possess his head? <laughs> and he like it's not clear that he hit his head at all because he he only shoots once and it it and he hits his friend, which doesn't make a lot of sense because he definitely. It's hitting the body, and then like Randall Flag shows up, and he's got kind of like crow's uh, feathers in his hair, and mm. like oh, and then he just kind of chokes him to death. Huh. So it's 
It's yeah. very weird. But at this point, we've already seen, uh, well, to skip ahead a little, we've seen uh, Dana and, and uh, uh, Tom Cullen in Vegas, but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that Jamie Sheridan does a good job of, of Flag when he is just kind of smiling and being charismatic. Um, yeah. I'm specifically thinking of how ridiculous it is when he does supernatural stuff. Oh yeah, that's that's just bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just the idea, like there, like there's a line in like a later chapter is like, oh he he was killing Flag was killing bo- poor Bobby Terry with his teeth for hours. Oh yeah, that's see that's that's definitely more. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's more. And 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 to quote to quote 1989, you can't do that on television. <laughs> yeah, you you just can't. Right. <laughs> so next, uh, at least in the book, we get Dana, um, who is in Vegas. She has kind of embedded herself, and she is sleeping with Lloyd. So she is, you know, right alongside Flag's lieutenant. Uh, and Lloyd at this point has his shit together. He is no longer, you know, kind of this low, <laughs> this low class minor criminal he is like running this entire operation he's, he's a he's a big goomba you know he's a you know he's a big deal you know yeah and, yeah you know he, he he's connected he's, he's made his bones <laughs> yeah you know he's, he's, he's a he's a real wise guy um god i hope we don't offend anybody with that I mean, um do gangsters can't, yeah get, do any gangsters who are listening yes yeah um no um but eventually, like they say, like, yeah, well, okay, we figured out Flag has discerned that Dana is, is, is one of the spies. You can you can see through them. He he, he knows this. Um, and Dana has actually seen Tom. Like, she recognized him but knew not to give it up. Um, yeah. Dana's called in uh, to the penthouse. And Flag does this whole act. Like, hey, listen, there's no there, – there, like, there's there's really no reason for us to – for us to be against each other. You have to understand that all we're trying to do is just, you know, keep our lights back on and survive. And we're nowhere near you. There's nothing that, uh, you know, like it'll be, it'll be years before, before our populations even touch, like, go ahead. Here's a map you can take back to Boulder that shows where all of our towns are. Like, just, just go. And, you know, next time you come, just come as a diplomat. Don't just, you know, don't, don't like none of this spy stuff. And he's kind of working this, working this glamour on her, right? Trying to, um, lull her into a sense of security, right? Yep. Um, and she ends up seeing through it and decides, okay, I'm going to take this opportunity since he seems to be so docile and I'm going to spring my knife. Turns out he has turned her knife into a banana. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty great. Something about flag, you know, and just got got a real got a real weak spot for classic slapstick humor. <laughs> In the book, does uh, does he say you can leave? You just have to tell me who the third spy is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me of that beat because that's that 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 is the point where he has her cornered and she decides to uh, to spring the knife. Right. You know, and then I think in in the in the movie he then goes full like, or she falls she I guess shatters a glass, not window but like a sculpture, kind of falls on it. Yeah, and then full demon at this point, and then it looks and then he starts throwing around a puppet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and and the, and the book is a little bit less cheesy than that. Like she she attempts to jump out the penthouse window. 
but she only breaks through part of the way. And before Flack can pull her back in, she kills herself by um, by running her neck up against the sh- the shards of glass. Um, yeah, it is it that's... is described that he does you know just terrible things like basically kicks her body apart in a rage as Lloyd and the others listen outside. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. So he he throws a puppet around in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't turn her into a puppet. Like this isn't, you know, like no. this isn't uh, <laughs> an so episode was, tales from the dark side. And then then there's a cut, and then it's very clearly some kind of mannequin or puppet. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it's eh, it's. I mean, and he's in you know some face off makeup. Yeah, of course. Sci fi show, not the movie. <laughs> Nicholas Kate. <laughs> Age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they um... I'm he didn't show up actually. What's Either that? Either way. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't show up. But, oh. uh, hey, you know, he, he's he, too... he needs work. Come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, now he does. Back then, I think he was. That was prime cage country. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, one of the reasons he's so angry is he knows there's a third spy, but he can't discern who it is. Again, because that aforementioned. Tom Cullen falls below his radar because of his his condition, right? Julie in the book does he say that all he can see is the moon? No. Yeah. Which is uh, okay. Yeah. And it just plays into Tom's verbal tick. M O O N that spells literary devices. <laughs> <laughs> um but Julie Lawry, uh played by oh gosh, what's her name? She was the the secretary on Becker. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sometimes you're older than me, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you're older than me. You know who she is. She was uh, uh, she was Jigsaw's uh, assistant in the Saw movies. Uh, hmm. I Can- should know this because that's, that, that is the kind of movie. Okay, yes. All right, yeah. I'm looking at yes. I did a Google search. Yeah, yes. you, 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 you would recognize her. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and it's gonna kill me if I do not look up uh, Shawnee Smith. There we go. Yes, play of it, but played by Shawnee Smith. But she she recognizes Tom and says like, "Hey, you know, if, is is there a deaf mute kid here? You know, if so, he's he's definitely with those other people. Um, you know, and she continues to be a ne'er do well. Um, this is where we get uh, Nadine's um, separation from Harold, which is a very mild way of saying Harold's death. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have, uh, had a, uh, a motorcycle accident that has thrown Harold over the side of the road and down a hill, um, broken his leg, um, and left him stranded as Nadine says like, Hey, you were never meant to get to Las Vegas. You were only, you know, your, your only purpose was to, was, was to get me out of Boulder so I could make my way there. Um, he takes a shot at her, um, and flag is only barely able to protect her from that. And this is where we get uh, Harold, you know, his handwriting regressing back to what he, <laughs> how he wrote when he was a kid, as he is dying slowly of dehydration and blood loss and all of this, you know, terrible infection and gangrene. Uh, like in the book, he's there for several days, like trying to climb his way up, but he's not able to do it. Um, but it's especially poignant because, like, he recognizes he was never, he was never under flag sway, like at every step of the way he had a choice for what he did. And that's what makes what he said, like him, Harold Emery Lauder. And I do this of my own free will, you know, incredibly, um, incredibly relevant is because it's true. 
and way, way too late, he understood that he had, you know, he had a community, he had people who could support him, but he just didn't accept it because of his shitty high school mentality. There's a lesson in there, but I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's a little subtle. <laughs> but, you know, rather than succumb to the elements, rather than succumb, you know, succumb to his infection, he decides that he wants to die in his, you know, in, in his right mind. And so he, he decides to kill himself. You know, he, he has one bullet left and he uses it on himself. And that is the tragic end of Harold Lauder a character who I've said an awful lot of bad shit about a character that is definitely, um, one of the chief villains of this book, but like, I don't know. I, 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 I would like, I would like to, I would like to see, uh, I, I would have liked to have seen him, uh, make good, you know, it's, he didn't though. So, yeah. yep. <laughs> in the movie, it, there's a, the big difference is the, I believe Stu uh, knows when he dies. Oh wow! Yeah, is like is, he, is Stu in the washout when that happens? Uh, yeah, they're, they're walking out and they're just like on the highway, and then like there's you know in the in the movie there's like a an echo of a shot, and Stu's like, <laughs> "Oh, Harold's dead." <laughs> Thanks for the status update, Big Ben. Yeah, like, and there's not. I guess it's they've got the shine at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's something I, I forget if it happened in this episode or in the stuff we covered last time, but like the shine comes back in this, like they, like they, like mother Abigail specifically describes the visions that they're having as being powered by the, by the shining of God's light. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere, but like Stu's like, yep, Stu's dead. <laughs> Harold's dead. Her, Harold's dead. Yeah. Uh, Stu is, yeah. And then and, and <laughs> nothing more is said of it. Stu's dead. Then he jumps down a waterfall. <laughs> oh no <laughs> i'm dead so nadine after she abandons harold she goes out you know her vespa breaks down in the world in the, in the desert uh, and flag goes to meet her um consummates their new infernal marriage and she goes crazy from the experience as he repeatedly and violently has sex with her until she is pregnant looks like a casper mattress i mean what no, what I mean, they're, they're <laughs> can, can, can you elaborate on that for me <laughs> no it it flag just makes uses his magic and there the a mattress that kind of appears in the desert <laughs> does it does it inhale and then expand from being a it, like a like a small box to being a full-size mattress not, could not have been a casper mattress okay <laughs> Casper's not in league with randall flag please, <laughs> please. offer the stand please, 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 please don't a rescind the sponsorship I never asked for and was never offered, or B <laughs> somehow make my mattress, which is one of those, uh, consume me in the night. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, it's not. It's not. They're no way in no way affiliated with some kind of weird demon face guy. Okay, cool, cool. All right, I've been having some very fucked up dreams in the month since I've had this. <laughs> um, so. No, yeah, and I'm I'm joked because I'm uncomfortable because I I watched the scene and it's it's very much a it's a rape scene. Yeah, uh, no good. But Flag is not a good person, um, and <laughs> no, that that, that 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 is that that is not an excuse. Um, it is good to see her get back at him in the end, like yes. to 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 see her kind of reclaim 
reclaim a little bit of her own agency in the face of in the in the face of you know her getting the terrible end of this bargain that she had no idea would be this bad yeah it's it is not it's 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 not savory uh you know and like at this point given all of the suicides that we've discussed and also this rape scene and the woman's who definitely a content warning going at the beginning of this episode (laughs) good Um, call good good call in general uh because shit gets rowdy in this and i can understand if somebody wants to nope out of that i i I say that like i'm diminishing it but humor is a defense mechanism like this is no no part of this is good um but like this is the thing that flag is fixated on and it is ultimately the thing that that brings him down because he is less concerned with actually running (laughs) vegas you know like he, he he has left the specter of the fear that everybody has for him to make things run on time in Vegas, notwithstanding the fact that he has surrounded himself with immensely flawed people who are not, you know, who are not going to be motivated well by fear to go and like secure his lineage and, you know, create his son so he can establish this. Like this is, this is flags pride getting in the way of himself, you know? Yeah. And and later in the scene when they go back to Vegas uh, or arrive back in Vegas, Lloyd explicitly says, hey, we, we found the or he wants to tell him that he found this third spy. But he's again, it's the fear that he's like, hey, talk to me later. Like, I don't want to I don't want to hear it. Yeah. He, he explicitly doesn't tell him about the third spy because he's he's afraid. No. <laughs> like you know and he he only answers the questions that flag asks him like hey i heard something happened at the air force base you know like what well, what 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 what's the deal with that and lloyd is so so terrified and so creeped out by the presence of this white-haired woman who doesn't speak and just kind of stares vacantly and masturbates in the corner that's a detail that's in that's in the book it's very unsettling not movie no <laughs> obviously not um but it's just very like it's put it, it puts you off the balance and he doesn't say like hey we we know who the third who the third spy is and and flag is just infuriated starts berating uh lloyd for not telling him like why did you tell me about the air force base when you knew this etc cetera, etc cetera. like lloyd tries to tell him like you're you're destroying this place but like it <laughs> flag is not hearing it right yeah what happened at the air force base is that uh trashy who has been going out and finding munitions you know to bring back uh you know for them to use and to stock up on and helping them get their air force in line kind of has a relapse a little bit like someone says like oh don't you know that playing with fires makes you wet the bed and that immediately takes him back to a childhood into his childhood where you know people were taunting him about old lady simple's uh pension check and he decides to get his revenge on them and not only sets the place on fire but sets explosives as, as traps that scuttle the air force and kill all the pilots. Yeah, this is it's it this is exceptionally abridged in in the movie, but yeah. You know, he he blows up the the planes that they have been working on but not before old Tom Cullen gets gets a peek. <laughs> right. Yeah, Tom Cullen is none none the wiser about what's going on at the uh about what's going on in the uh, uh, Air Force Base. Yeah. And especially not uh, not aware that Trash runs out into the desert kind of in exile because he's afraid of what will happen when Flag... I mean, he has an ATV in the movie, so the movie 
plus one for the movie because ATVs are cool. ATVs rock. Oh man, those ATV racing games and like trick games for the PS2. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> ATV Cole. <laughs> Let's write ATV cast. <laughs> what about those RPMs? What's the RPM on your ATV? Oh, it's 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 high. <laughs> high RPM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so so trash has a he, he has he has an atv in the book as well um i don't know when he gets it but yeah he he is definitely in exile and in hiding from this and strangely enough uh because of trash's own um let's say mental condition uh his his motivations and his whereabouts etc are also invisible to flag so right. that, that like that's another, that's another thing that's why trash is able to catch him unawares at the end yeah th- th- yeah not to bring D into it but flag is lawful evil he, he would he would be a devil mm-hmm. and uh trash can man would be a, a fiend and he'd be chaotic evil yeah and there the two shall meet except during the blood war ah yes in the in the gray wastes <laughs> yeah thanks <laughs> box um i'm <laughs> my podcast on that i'm just saying um, a monster a podcast about what i'm sorry uh, the just planescape. Oh yeah, um, we, uh, we 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 have the next season of that scheduled. Like we know we know what it's going to be, but uh, but trust me, planescape is on our short list. All right, Burke. What? <laughs> Burke. <laughs> Burke. Uh, it's, it's... Oh, I thought, I thought you called me Bark, and I thought you were doing the dog version of Radio Free Midworld now. <laughs> um, so. Um, Tom Cullen around this point, but you know, before he, before flag is hipped to his presence, he, uh, sees the full moon, which was his cue to leave. It was programmed into him by hypnosis. And we get the amazing, the amazing, uh, uh, kind of moment of him looking up at the moon and saying M O O N that spells moon, um, and deciding to, uh, to leave. And he is guided by visions of Nick. Um, and that is the case for pretty much the rest of the book. You know, Tom doesn't understand why he's able to hear Nick and why Nick is able to hear him uh, when 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 he's in the dreams. But that is, you know, that that, that is why Tom is able to get where he get where he goes and do what he does. Yeah, this is kind of my least part favorite part of this book (laughs) is uh, anything related to Tom uh, fumbling around the West, especially well, because we're almost at the end and like. This book, this book ends, and then there's a whole other like set of chapters. Yeah, um, there is an extended coda. Yeah, <laughs> to put it to 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 put it lightly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, just man, I I wish we had more Vegas. I know this is a lot of Vegas. Nadine, you know, as Flag is throwing his tantrum, finally speaks. She's been in a daze this whole time. Uh, right. You know, carrying flags demon spawn and starts taunting flag with predictions saying you can't see him you can't see any of them you don't you don't actually know and this has been like a thing for a good part of the last part of this book which is flags grip slowly fading away he has no recollection of his life before you know the super flu pretty much Mm -hmm. he starts uh seeing things get kind of flaky around the edges he is slowly 
not able to levitate as much as he was before. Like that was his whole thing. Not his whole thing. Like that, like if you was just a dude who was floating somewhere, this would be a substantially different story. Uh, but that was kind of the, uh, the indication of the health of his power. Um, right. but she knows that his, you know, like his, the super flu was his time and his time is rapidly passing as, uh, you know, as, as the news kind of tightens. Um, and what she is doing is she is intentionally goading him, taunting him, uh, trying to get him to do something terrible to her because she does not want to be, you know, the vessel for whatever progeny he will create. And he picks her up and he throws her off of the roof of the MGM Grand. Uh, right. People who are familiar with the current version of the MGM Grand would say that doesn't make any sense because that's a it's it's a it's a it's a pyramid, you dummy. Uh, no, it was a tower when he wrote this. <laughs> but yeah, like he he throws her off, and before he realizes what he has done in this, you know, fit of fit of rage, you know, he's not able to get her back. You know, she falls, and she is, you know, she doesn't even scream as as she falls. She she got what she wanted. You know, she got her revenge. She denied him. Um, you know his his kind of final piece on the board, right? So, difference in the movie this this is like literally they go up in the elevator. Uh, Lloyd comes up and says, "Hey, we found the traitor." He's like, "Ah!" And they, he, he, there's a real great scene where he he's making drinks, and then suddenly the drinks are boiling. <laughs> and like, great scene is, yeah, great in the sense of like Neo Yokio is the the best show I've seen in 2017. Uh, <laughs> so not <laughs> what? Yeah, okay. It's it's perfect coal, perfect trash. Okay. Um. Uh. Then. Uh, he you know he throws a tantrum, then comes down. Lloyd says blah 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 blah, and then he leaves. And then Nadine just jumps off after saying, "I'll you know you're you're going to be defeated. I will never be your spawn." And then she makes the choice. Yeah, she she makes the choice here. She just goads him into doing it for her because she knows if she if she tried, then he would stop her. Yeah, this is this is very much. He's on the other side of the room, and he can't stop her from jumping. Yeah. Yeah. Both, I mean, <laughs> none of this is good. Both are, I think, s- suitable ends to this, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. None of it feels good. None of it feels good at all. Um, it especially doesn't feel good to the people of Vegas who are starting to leave. You know, the, 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 there's a sentence that like, oh, sometimes a watch will go out with twenty people and then it'll come back with eighteen. Like people know that the that the walking dude isn't all that he's cracked up to be. They know that things are falling apart and they want to get as far away as possible, which is a good instinct. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. you hope? Oh, good. There's a scene of this, but it's only with, um, uh, it's, it's just a single scene where someone says, Hey, things are going bad and you know it. And Lloyd is like, well, <laughs> and that's it. That, I mean, that that's literally it. <laughs> Yeah, well, that happens a little bit here. Like Whitney Horgan, the the the, the chef, the cook, you know, comes up and says, "Hey, me, you know, don't don't tell the big guy, but like we're 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 taking off. Do you want to come with us?" And it's not like heartbreaking because Lloyd is not a great guy. Like it's not even really a sympathetic guy, but like I have affection for him. But like he says, like you know, I I owe my life to him for good or for ill. He saved me from a ter- from a terrible situation, and I have to see this out. You know, Lloyd at this point is drunk, which is extremely forbidden in the in, in Vegas. Um, not now, but under Flag's rule. Um, like earlier, they crucified somebody for uh, 
they crucified somebody for doing cocaine. Like substances are not, not, not smiled upon. <laughs> um, and Lloyd says, like, hey, you know, before before you met me, before, you know, you may have even noticed this as you as you've known me, but like by being around Flag, I've gotten smarter. I used to be just a real dumb guy. Um, <laughs> and something is, you know, things have become clearer. I'm quicker. I still need to write things down, but you know, like that's just, that's just what, ha what's happening. There's something special about him. We know this, but I can't leave his side. Yeah. This is not Lloyd for just sticks with flag for <laughs> like, Hey, eh, this is the, the thing I've, I've hitched my post to and I'm second in command. It's kind of like, eh, you know, it's more of a sunk cost fallacy unless, <laughs> right. unless hey, I'm, I'm supernaturally smart. Right, right. <laughs> He's not even supernaturally smart. Just like, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Man, poor Lloyd. Yeah, He's just, he's, he's just like really just a guy. Yeah. He's a guy who happens to be played by, by Miguel Ferrer. Yep. Oh, all right. Yeah, see, trip, trip down 90s nostalgia. <laughs> So good, Miguel Ferrer. Uh, rest in <laughs> peace. Um, and the final kind of Vegas scene that we get before our dudes get there, um, we have Trash Can Man, who in his exile has stumbled into Nellis Air Force Base uh, and used a chain lift to retrieve the big fire. Yeah. In the movie, he's just kind of driving out with it with an ATV. So I'm like... <laughs> You like that would be heavier, a little bit. Yeah, I, it happens in the book too. Like it, it's even an electric ATV, which doesn't seem like it would be able to pull a warhead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think electric isn't an electric ATV a golf cart with no roof and missing one wheel. Right. Like you know, this is the abyss. This is the void. You, you stare into it, and you you or you become death. But it is also. <laughs> Your your cousin's ATV can can tow it anywhere. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's always your cousin who owns the ATV, which is strange. No, no one owns the ATV. It's always cousins. It's always the cousin. So while all that's happening in Vegas, uh, we have roughly two or three weeks of Stu, Larry, Ralph, and Glenn uh, as their fellowship walking west across the mountains, and then and, and then the the desert to get to uh to get to vegas there's a lot of uh kind of not hemming and hawing but just conversation along the way you know mostly glenn uh because that's the way glenn is god love him you know about the <laughs> about the nature of their of their quest and and, and, and the things that they're doing but they're he's, kind he's of a, a narrator yeah he certainly is so the the, the the there is a narrator figure in this in terms of just like yeah it it is told from the third person but like Glenn is there to serve that from an in text point of view right right I didn't He's ask kind of your your opinion of Glenn like do like how do how do you feel about him because I think I think he is more divisive than I sometimes give him credit for um I I I, I honestly I I didn't have a Think Murph. Think of something quick. <laughs> I don't, if you don't, if you don't uh, have an opinion, that's like fine. Glenn. <laughs> 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 he. So he's Glenn. Seems to be the kind of the, the skeptical asshole that I would probably be. Because mm -hmm. uh, earlier, I believe he kind of questions mo Mother Ab Abigail, uh, and like, why? Are we, hey, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? But then I also kind of remember he's like, well, maybe we shouldn't get back this technology which is the exact opposite position that I would be. I'd be like, 
All right, how can we start charging our iPhones? <laughs> For God's sake, those satellites are still up there. <laughs> so, um, I, it, yeah, I don't have a. He seems fine. Like I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you you kind of need you need that guy who just like, hey, this is some exposition I gotta tell you. Yeah, yeah. You know, he ends up being useful for them setting up the Boulder Free Zone. Like that, that at least is a is 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 a use case for for for, for his knowledge. I have a lot of affection for Glenn. Like I'm asking that question to to to, to find somebody who will really disagree with me and say like, oh, he's just a, a loudmouth asshole. But no, no, like so people at my work, I like people who, hey, like you know how to do this thing, and you'll you'll step up and do a thing and get something done. Hell yeah, let's let's do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll take, I'll take, a, I'll take some Glens on my team. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, I, I will take a Glen on my team as well. Um, but yeah, you know, they're walking and they're they're noticing that they're thinking and seeing more clearly. They're losing weight. You know, they they are on the you know kind of just not kind of they are on the proverb the proverbial forty days in the desert kind of kind of kind of trick. Um, they see you know they find Harold and they kind of tacitly agree not to talk about him even though all of them kind of say like, yeah, this it's just a fucking waste. Like it's not good. <laughs> like none of it's good, man. It's yeah. just a waste. Um, and they also find uh, the kid. They find the wolf man. Yeah. So it's definitely not in the movie because nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Because again, the kid, <sighs> they find Harold in the movie. I think they just kind of, yeah. yeah, explicitly. They don't, they just get, I just uh, Stu, Stu realizes, oh yes, he's dead now. I know he's dead, and then they continue walking. I no longer feel the shadow that he casts in the Force. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, if 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 Harold showed up as a Force ghost, as like a slightly fatter, slightly more acne guy, <laughs> this is my true conception of myself. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Oh. <laughs> So eventually Mother Abigail's prophecy comes true. One of them falls. One of them doesn't end up making it to go on to Vegas. Uh, and that person is, is Stu. They reach a washout in the road. And on their way climbing up the other side, um, Stu loses his footing and falls. You know, he, he basically does a Homer falling down the Springfield Gorge uh, kind, yeah. of, kind of sequence. <laughs> and, uh, what's that? It's pretty great because he's he's literally up like he's on the other side. And then for for reasons he falls. Yeah. Yep. And then down he goes and breaks his leg. Uh and you know, his his exact words are, I think I'll be up and walking in about three months. Oh boy. Yeah. Um Ugh. you know, and, and Stu recognizes that this is you know, if not Mother Abigail's will, God's will. Like, okay, they said if I fall there you have to go. But this is kind of Larry's final test because he is clinging to this idea, um, you know, that he ain't no nice man. Um, you know, no matter how much he has grown, no matter how much he has stopped being a taker, no matter how much he has stopped being the person who is like chewing on tinfoil, um, you <laughs> know, he still sees himself as that. And he doesn't want to, you know, leave Stu behind for dad. He wants to take, you know, get, get him up, take him to a town get him in a position or put him in a car like nope that that's not the rules of the game you you need to go um and this is you know larry ends up passing it but at uh, you know protest and i remember in the in in the tv series like this is a very dramatic scene like 
like the Larry's actor who I don't recognize from anything else really oversells this a little bit. It's, I think it might, I think it's very, I I don't want to contradict you. I, I want to yes and you, but like for me, it's very, it's kind of muted. It's kind of like, yep, I think at this, they're, they're full, uh, kind of like, okay, yeah, this is, this is, we're on a vision quest. Yeah. This is God will kind of mode and they're, <laughs> they're kind of like, yep. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Someone, yeah. Someone was going to not make it. I guess it's you. <laughs> I, and like, yeah, this sucks. It's just like uh, the old woman said. Yeah. <laughs> keep, uh. keep the dog with you. <laughs> yep. Well, they they don't tell Kojak to stay. Kojak just just decides to stay, and like the good dog that he is, um, you know, Stu unable to move, you know, sit, sitting at the bottom of this washout you know, in this gigantic ditch. Uh, Kojak starts bringing him sticks so he can make fires. He brings him rabbits, you know, and Stu guts the rabbits uh, and feeds Kojak the guts and then cooks the rabbit. Like I, a real real moment of concern because in the movie he just throws him like a leg and I'm like. That's got bones in it. That dog will choke. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried about Kojak. Yeah, Kojak's the hero here. And in in our in our version, like he's gonna just it's still a rabbit, but then like that human's gonna choke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, lots of animals have tiny bones. Right. I get I get I get worried when I eat rabbit like at a German restaurant that I'm gonna get a small bone in it. I'm not gonna lie to you. Really, like, ra- rabbit's basically the mammal version of fish. I've never had like a just a rabbit rabbit like kind of thing but i guess i don't we have that sounds delicious I, though i have a rabbit rabbit but it's the first thing i say on the first day of a given month <laughs> you never had did, did you have that, that that superstition as a kid no but <laughs> no no the, the, the idea is like if you wake up on the first of the month the first thing that you say uh during a month has to be the words rabbit rabbit so you'll have good luck is, is this a midwest thing maybe maybe i've never <laughs> And I'm and I don't say that like like oh this is a like because I'm I, I grew up in the south right right no. I don't think you're condescending to me I I have, I have no idea no, where no, it comes no, from no, it's no, just the thing no, I've always had yeah no no I've never heard anything like that yeah no uh, huh. yeah hot some pepper's good like at a German restaurant like you know, I don't okay. feel I don't feel great about eating a cute animal but I, I'm gonna sink my teeth in some hot fesser yeah fesser hot hot pepper like hot some pepper incorporated yeah. <laughs> You know, like at the beginning of Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> oh, oh, Cole, yeah. you, you're making connections for me. There you go. Yeah, that, 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 that's the word. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's how Stu survives. Feel, oh, go I feel like our our, our connect, cultural connection is a lot of Nick at Night. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's refreshing to be on a show with somebody who doesn't give me shit for that. Like, you know, just I, I can't pull that stuff out. Because Gary will make like ten minutes about it on the show. <laughs> Look, I we definitely watched a lot of I Love Lucy in our house. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, now, now it's all this Saved by the Bell. What is this? Bleh. Those kids. What are they doing? Ugh, these kids running around, disrespecting their elders, stopping time, taking caffeine pills. <laughs> episode doesn't seem so special to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the rest, the remaining three, again, Larry, mm. Larry, Ralph, and, uh, and, and Glenn, uh, proceed without Stu. You know, Stu is taken care of by Kojak um, in, in a way that kind of made me tear up when I described what Kojak did. Um, 
they get to the city limits and they're taken in and immediately they like they're like they're they're not afraid at some point they decided like hey you know we fear no, we fear no evil if we're going to be on this god trip we have to go all the way um we're under some kind of protection we need to go there and witness this like that is the the, the, the that is our role and they're you know the people who have guns trained on them they say like oh you know what were you before you became a nazi uh stuff like that <laughs> you know and in, in a weird way i was you're this is dumb and i'm calling back and i know we're going over but it, this is a uh, an ernest goes to camp scene okay did, did you ever see ernest goes to camp i did but i i only remember the um uh the the, the mud creatures or is that wow. ernest scared, scared scared stupid that's scared stupid and ernest goes to camp uh ernest I, rem- I remember a food fight that involves a tray at some point him using as a shield it, yeah, okay. Ernest finds out that he is he is in fact a Native American. Oh, cool! Because of <laughs> hey Murph, do they handle that sensitively? Nope, because <laughs> there's a legend that a that a Native American brave can take a, a three pulls of a shotgun blast or yeah, <laughs> something like that. It, yeah, so you know the 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 evil land developer tries to shoot Ernest three times and the the shotgun jams three times. Hmm. And that's how he finds out. Yeah, that's how he finds out he's actually an Indian. Yeah. Excuse me, Native American. If I'm talking about Ernest, I better be sensitive. <laughs> yeah, you don't want any of the Ernest fans to turn on you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Vern. <laughs> God. Man, I yeah, I watched the shit out of Ernest movies when I was a kid. Yeah, they, they don't remember any of them. That's why you don't start an Ernest podcast. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you? I did not. Okay, I was gonna, you you said that like a joke that was like, oh, and look what I've done, kind of thing. Like, oh, that's why I've done it. Look. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, so they're taken in and they're all put in different cells. I love the scene with Glenn Lloyd and Flag. Yeah, this is a good scene. This is this is tremendous because it has to be Glenn. It, it would always have to be Glenn. Would be the person who 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 looks at flag with all the knowledge that he has and say why were we so scared of you you know to recognize not just the the like the, the diminished state that flag is in but see flag for kind of the pathetic outsider that he is right yeah this is this is how you hope you go down right yeah you, you hope you go down laughing you hope you go down making bad people feel worse <laughs> right well i mean this, you have not so much that and that that you have the courage of your convictions to stand up for maybe what's is right when the you know when when the actual the you know the rubber hits the road you you stand by your convention convictions and actually like hey like the i this this is what i believe this mm-hmm. is you're you're not a good person and even though you you might have power over me now i in the end i'm going to and, and you don't know that you'll make a difference, but you think you can because, yeah, I, I think Glenn actually does. Maybe not in this moment shake Lloyd's faith in Flag, but he does in the end. Yes, you know, uh, n- notably Flag's faith in himself, even also right, right. Just that uh, Flag cannot, you know, Flag's only only tool, his only power in Vegas is fear. You know, is inspiring people to do what he wants them to do um, by fear of retribution. He has met somebody from the other side who that power does not work on. Right. Yeah. 
what I'm realizing is you're a much more, uh, you're a much kind of bigger person than me morally, <laughs> um, who is more magnan more magnanimous and less spiteful because I, I <laughs> you, you latched onto like, Oh, Glenn dies with the courage of his convictions. And I latch, I, I latch onto by laughing. I can make a person so mad. They will kill me. <laughs> So just so just so we're, we're we're clear on that on that difference of inventory. <laughs> like it's it's 2017 has been a hard year on us all, and we oh know my gosh. We, it has uh, made it has made monsters of us. It really has. No, here's here's the thing. I say I want to be Glenn. I'm I'm probably a Lloyd. Hmm. Absolutely. We're yeah yeah we're all Lloyds. <laughs> we're all Lloyds down here. Um, <laughs> so um this is no good uh no. flag does not uh want to brook any of this and he decides that uh he needs to make an example he needs to have a show of force and what he is going to do is he's going to take the other two larry and ralph and do a public execution not only pinning on them all of the sins of the boulder free zone but you know trash can man sins as well trying to make you know make everybody believe that they are the ones who sabotage the uh the uh, uh airfield etc and they decide to do a good old fashioned Mad Max um, motorcycle punk drawing and quartering. Oh man! So yeah, th- let's go here because I've got some thoughts about how the movie. <laughs> it, it's it's all bad all the way down. It's, I remember a lot of heavy metal power chords. You you are misremembering, my friend. Okay. So so talk. Tell me. So. They uh they just get kind of get chained to these kind of Vegas wheel like kind of casino wheels almost like roulette not, wheel like, kind of things. They're not they're not really any like I don't think they they wouldn't exist in like in the real world. They're just kind of like these. They're obviously like crucifix crucifixes. There there are no motorcycles. They're just kind of like so. Imagine a crucifix, but uh, there's chains coming out of like the arm pieces. Yeah, that's yeah. That's how you would attach, you know, and, and then there's just kind of Vegas kind of theme decoration on them. <laughs> yeah, none of that in the book. When I say it's motorcycle, I mean, like, it is it is just this, you know, a bunch of pipes welded together and meant to be as, like, you know, chrome, like Mad Max-like as possible. If, yeah, like, no, in, like is, in the book, they're describing it that way. Yeah, it, this is just not cool. This is like, eh, all right. Yeah. I, I we have these i don't know why <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're just laying around in case in case any of the spies came they had to throw the third away because they couldn't they couldn't see tom <laughs> right yeah like it's it's very it's it's it feels very constructed but not in a very practical way i don't know it's it, right right you see yeah. the artifice you do you, you it, it, it it breaks your suspension of disbelief like in the in the in, in, in the book they are like welding this thing together like they're making it two flag specifications in order to maximize the spectacle of their death to make it as uh, as painful as possible because what flag is doing is calling everybody in Vegas you know out to see this because you know it is mandatory to witness what happens to people who you know are not afraid of him you know to inspire more fear to raise his power right right and so Larry and Ralph you know they're not afraid they're like they're like they knew when they came here we're going to die. Um, you know, when they're yelling to each other, they are 
shouting their verses and their contradicting flag as he is reading their uh, as he is reading their sentences. Uh, Whitney Horgan comes up and says, "Like, hey, you know, like, are like, is this us? You know, like, we were Americans once. <laughs> like, this isn't the way that we that we do things. Like, this is barbaric. This is primitive." Um, and flag burns him like he reveals his true nature as a sorcerer at this point to everybody he creates a ball of fire that immolates uh whitney horgan uh but not before melting his mouth together as though he was neo (laughs) that's what happens in the book it's good it's fucking crazy Um, (laughs) so whitney horgan doesn't have a name in the tv series Mm -hmm. he's had one scene before and then he stands up and says hey what are we even doing and then yeah. uh, uh, then some 90s CG electricity uh, courses over his body. There's like he, it kind of looks like his mouth is shown shut, but it, it doesn't. He, it, it's like a maybe a second. And then, then he just <laughs> collapses on the ground. <laughs> they could only afford 24 frames of this effect. So oh no, no. He and then he still has like this blue glow on him. Right, right. He's continually uh, electrocuted. Yeah, yeah. Knowing this, he like his mouth is view shot, and then he's burned to a crisp, and then you know nobody else, nobody else speaks up. Yep. Well, except for somebody who has already burned to a crisp. Um, so in in the movie, we have you know we have Max Headroom, we have Matt, <laughs> Matt Frewer, uh riding up with his warhead. In the book, the description of Trash Can Man as he rides up, you know, it's, it's thick. What's that? It's horrific. It's terrible. Like he's basically a ghoul. At, you know, by 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 the time he arrives, he is you know reached his apotheosis. You know, when when we're introduced to him, he has shed the name of Donner, Donald Merwin Elwin or whatever his real name is. I forget. Um, sorry for that lack of specificity. He has shed, he has shed that and become the trash can man. That is what he is. Uh, now he is physically that. He is the person who is. You know, who lives only for flag and the flame. Right. Right. He's yeah, he's some kind of. Yeah, it's 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 haunting and it's like, oh, holy crap. Yeah, that would be what happened if you if you rode with an ATV with an with an, you know, with radiation just constantly being at you for like you wouldn't be a person. You'd be something else. Yeah. You know, all of his, all of his hair, all of his hair has fallen out, all of his teeth, all of his nails, his eyelashes. He's lost, he's lost an eye, you know, so just terrible, terrible radiation sickness. He has decided that is, that is, you know, worth the cost by being out in the sun, his skin is cooked and, you know, peeled off and then cooked again until his entire kind of countenance, every exposed inch of skin, which is a lot is effectively blackened. Right. Um, he only has scraps of cloth on him and he you know, comes up and he can barely speak and says, Hey, look what I brought you. I hope you can forgive me. Um, <laughs> and what he has brought flag is flags undoing has brought Vegas's undoing. So in the book, uh, the, the electricity somehow accidentally triggers this, this bomb, right? What happens is um, the ball of fire that flag is manifested is co-opted and grabbed by the hand of God. And it turns into a hand that descends and touches the nuclear warhead, causing it to blow up, but not before flag can fade away. 
Um, and this has been described before, like anytime he's been in danger, he fades and forgets who he is, etc. Uh, not before he can fade away, not before Lo- <laughs> Lloyd can scream the most accurate summation of what's going on. Oh shit, we're all fucked. <laughs> um, and the, 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 the bomb detonates. Um, so, and if I recall in the movie, it's like a really cheap effect, right? So what happens in the movie is, uh, so Whitney is being electrocuted. Dana, like for reasons, for reasons, screams, trips over Whitney is electrocuted herself. Then the Wait. electricity ball like rises, turns a different color. We get some AVR from mother Abigail and it, a, a literal hand forms and picks up the bomb and then sets it off. Like, <laughs> like kind of like, you know, picks it up and kind of slams it into the, the ground. I don't, mother, I don't think that's can, how a warhead detonates by being slammed to the ground. Well, look, if you're mother Abigail and you're a giant hand, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. In the book is described as the hand of God, but I don't think it manifests as a literal, like master hand from smash brothers. It's, it's a master hand from smash brothers. <laughs> yep. I remember that. Okay. Yeah. Now, now we're on the same page. And, and then, we we cut immediately to the washout with uh with with Stu who has gathered some resolve and and climbs the uh the side of the cliff mm-hmm. and sees the mushroom cloud and Tom Cullen yeah <laughs> you know Tom Cullen has managed to get far enough away <laughs> so Vegas is done you know everybody who was there um from Julia Lowry to Flag himself uh all 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 done for uh, and Stu. Like his role in all of this was to was to witness and bring news back, right? Right. That was that 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 was the way that that things were that things were set up. Larry and Ralph were the sacrifices because God always takes a sacrifice, right? And so at this point, the book should be over, right? Yep. Like this is this is something you end on, right? Yep. You. <laughs> Mushroom clouds are usually things you end on. They're either things you end on or things you begin on, right? Yeah, like the the villains. The villain has has been, you know, not maybe killed, but has been stopped. Uh, <laughs> heroes are triumphant. They they see that they are triumphant. You you could probably see that. Like the scene could have been, oh, hey, we saw this mushroom cloud in the distance. From you know that that could have been the epilogue. Like mm-hmm. they saw it from Boulder. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if they could have seen it from Boulder. They have some mountains between them. Well, okay. But, you know, they're psychic, Cole. Okay, you know, okay. Oh, they're, they're, they're psychic. Okay. I felt the a thousand voices called out. And then there's... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, there we go. I, I agree with you. Like, this book should definitely end well before it does. Um, and I think that what we end up getting is, you know, King being a little bit too attached to his characters and wanting... Wanting to share answers that he had already arrived at for, yeah. you know, who would survive and how they would end up. And so the, 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 the story ends, right? The, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the stakes are gone aside from Stu wanting to get home to be with Fran, wanting to be there before the baby is born. And that's, that, that, that that's pretty much it. And then we get roughly 50 to a hundred more pages of, <laughs> Of, uh, of 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 the journey home and we can we can kind of truncate this you know Stu's leg is broken and he has the flu irony of ironies um you know tom is there and guided by nick uh and you know nick's knowledge uh through these dreams tom is able to 
take care of Stu. As Stu kind of guides him toward helping to select a car and travel their way slowly, you know, over the course of a couple of months, um, you know, back to Boulder over the mountains, they're stuck through the winter. There's a very sweet scene in the book where Stu to repay Tom for having saved his life. He prepares like a Christmas gift for him. They're in this hotel and Stu is uh, set up a movie projector and they have like a day where they just sit and watch movies, you know, well after the world has ended. Like that is touching and good. That is, yeah, that is, that would have been a touching and good movie scene, but uh, yeah, like, but <laughs> done. done. I mean, also, this, this book will one day save my life in that, hey, if you have a manual transmission car, you can start it even though the batteries. <laughs> yep, get it going downhill and you're okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the, that's the two things I've learned from this book <laughs> <laughs> or these last hundred pages. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but Stu starts having bad dreams about Fran and, you know, getting kind of premonitions of the fact that she has had a breech birth. Um, and they finally arrive in Boulder. Um, you know, there's a, you know, like somebody trains a gun on them. So sometime in between they have started posting armed sentries in the, in the TV miniseries version of this, the character who finds them at the uh, gates of Boulder is Stephen King. That was okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause it, it's just two guys. Yeah, yeah. But Stephen, like, Stephen King has lines in that. It's oh, super, yeah. super cool and sweet. Show up in a snowmobile, which is just, where did you get this snowmobile? <laughs> they, they they had one. Like, they, uh, they, they found some, I think, in the book, they had one for a little while because they were in a mountain police department, and they found some that were well taken care of. All right, so, yeah. So it's not, as, it's not as ridiculous as it sounds. But they, guess- go ahead. It's only been a year or two, right? Like those things stay whatever. Like you don't constantly use them. Right. So, so like the, the, the weird thing is, and this, this is something that is always like, it's the first thing that anybody points out about, about a post-apocalyptic story is that gasoline goes bad. Right. Like kind of astoundingly quickly. Like I've never, I've never (laughs) had a car that just sat around, but like apparently over the course of a couple of months, like a car that just sits there with some gas will just. Like the oh, yeah. like stale gasoline just doesn't doesn't work. You need you need an additive that'll get it started. Then you have to cycle it and then run it. Like it's a whole big thing, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You like you just can't store a car. You, you have to turn it on, turn it off. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to maintain it even when it's sitting still, which is which is why I like having the one car that I don't have to think about that with. <laughs> I just use it. Um, but they get to Boulder. Uh, Fran has already given birth. Um, the baby was sick, but the doctors think it's going to fight it off. So even though Captain Trips, you remember that threat, the super flu from the beginning, you know, the reason that it was so deadly was the fact that it could shift, you know, it could change to kind of outflank any given immune system. Uh, well, um, even people who are half immune are able to have an immune system that can shift to reflank it, right? Or outflank the outflank who, you know, however you want to phrase that. Um, and so, you know, Fran has, you know, not just the baby that she's had since the beginning of, a, of the book or introduction, but this reminder of the old world. And she is ready to not only have her baby with, with Stu, but to, you know, continue her life and eventually leave the free zone because like, there are like 20,000 people there and they were only, kind of suited for a civilization like that when it was a crisis. They're ready to go back to Maine. Um, 
<laughs> the Stephen King book. What's that? It's a Stephen King book, so of course they go back to Maine. Of but course. like, I, Maine is not habitable. Like, you can't. <laughs> I would love to live in Maine, like aside from the government that they have right now. No, um, I mean, there's a heater there. Like you have electricity. And, yeah. And, and, like <laughs> this is the apocalypse and my dog is. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. People, yeah. people like when pets make appearances. Uh, oh, okay. that, that's <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, like no, Maine's not habitable. It's cold. Come on. As mm-hmm. a, someone who lives in Florida and wears a coat. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as, as somebody who lives in Ohio and wishes it was winter more of the time, I would I would gladly be in Maine. Oh, <laughs> but, nice. but we can be different. We, we are heat miser and in, in ice. Is it ice miser? Ice it's king. The, like from is it? He's a miser though. It's I have, I have no idea. Heat miser, cold miser. Yeah, that's cold. Wow. Maybe what, I, know, the, I have no idea. But the the old uh, the old stop yeah. motion. Yeah, the the uh, the not Rudolph, but maybe Rudolph. It is rude. It's a, okay. All right. Yeah. I, know, I, know, I know. I know what you're talking about. I finally outolded you. <laughs> no, no. I, I know what the heat miser is from. I just wasn't aware that he had a that he had a cold compatriot or rival, as it were. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe he did. Maybe it was just Jack Frost. I mean, it was just Jack Frost. Yeah, I'll be I'll, I'll be the Jack Frost to your heat miser. It's okay. fine. That, okay. As long as we know who we are. <laughs> as, long, as long as these lines can be drawn. God damn it. <laughs> um so the main book the one that you know existed back before stephen king revised it kind of ended with them back at mother abigail's home um sitting on the porch for their rest you know they wanted to go visit visit it because i don't think they ever landed there um in the main course of the story i think that they were headed to boulder by the time everybody else had left um you know and it kind of reiterates the you know the thesis like you know is what happened to us you know, is Captain Trips, is Randall Flagg, you know, is nuclear Armageddon just the natural result of civilization reaching a certain point? And the book ends with Stu asking Fran, you know, it's kind of amusing, like, hey, do do people ever ever learn? Is there an opportunity to grow off of the back of this? Um, and I think very poignantly, the you know the 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 original version of the book, and then the, the 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 main story ends just with the words "I don't know." Yeah, and I'm going to spoil this real comforting moment that I I I'm very much a as as a white guy. I feel that the singularity is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> right, the singularity is just a, just heaven for rich white people. Yeah. Yeah, and as a rich white guy, I I'm looking, right. but I mean, I also think that tech, technology is a force for good, like in just in general. So, mm-hmm. this was uh, also written in the '70s, in the middle of a of a distinct movement, both in literature and just in 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 anti nuclear thought. Right, and like that said, like nuclear bombs, not, maybe not the best technology. Mm-hmm. But the development of nuclear bombs gave us nuclear energy, which, if properly done, is a good thing compared to fossil fuels, et cetera. Right. On yeah, that's, line. Yeah. that's an awesome part of that. The other, maybe, yeah. <laughs> right. Every, I, everything's more complicated than a Stephen King will boil it down to for his God and Devil story. Right. Right. <laughs> it sounds like I'm being glib, but I'm actually, you know, I'm, no, that's, Yeah, that's very true. Like, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Like, in, and I, this was, this was a, a much more, popular i think sentiment in the past and in maybe with with gen xers and, and and boomers 
but I, I don't think us millennials as, as and we, we, I am on the very edge, you know, scientific term as millennial is I, I just don't think this this message resonates as as well right right it ends up feeling just a just a skosh outdated um i would yeah. be curious if they adapted this if that would be the continued message right so like when yeah, what they is, what is the is the stand 2017 look like i mean it's filled with dogs and there's only one person <laughs> right, and he ends up fighting some monkeys. He loses an ear uh, and eventually gets to Boulder. Uh, right. He lives 16 years, which is not that long for, no, for a regular terrible. person. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah. What? I, and I, I think we, we, it would probably be nano. Like, okay, real, real world probably be some kind of nanotechnology. Because that's yeah. you know, that's the new crazy thing right yeah yeah hideo kojima told us right <laughs> animal machines <laughs> yeah here but, but 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 i would i would i would honestly be curious because like when so the people who are promoting the dark tower movie kind of recharacterized this never showed up in the movie but it showed up in the marketing recharacterized the sombra corporation like the you know the people who were ultimately the corporate evil bad guys as like web 2.0 app developer kind of people like there is a sombra corporation app that you can download that does like arg style stuff with your camera right right you know like i wonder if you know like in this movie is being adapted um i think at the current moment it's being adapted by the person who directed the fault in our star stars movie um as like a quadrilogy this is not four movies worth of material guys please don't do that um <laughs> yeah no. um it's it's two at most for god's sake um but um you know it's being adapted uh like as a current thing i just wonder what that would be i wonder what what, what the more contemporary iteration of this kind of you know if not anti-technology at least you know anti whatever flag is story would end up, you know, kind of, kind of accomplishing. Right. And yeah, it's, it's, hmm. yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. What, and maybe it wouldn't be anti-technology. Maybe it'd be more a tech bro with that. Like, cause those <laughs> people, people like technology, but they don't like the people who make it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it might, it might just be like, they could simplify it to like anti-authoritarian almost. Right. Because that's the way that flag works. Right. Yeah, like, I, yeah, you've got a very nice anti, you could make a very nice anti-authoritarian tale in here. Yeah. One that the mainstream would swallow pretty easily, and yeah. Hollywood would be like, look at us, we're <laughs> <our> edgy. <laughs> they, they, they would feel pretty good about swallowing the anti-authoritarian tale and going back to their authoritarian government. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, at the end. Sorry, didn't mean to bring some rea- reality <laughs> into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they would update it. So, yeah. and 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 it is weird because like even the '90s had just such a like. And my go-to is the um is the Warriors movie. <laughs> not, I'm sorry, not the Warriors. Uh, Wolverine movie. What's uh Red Dawn? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but both yeah. of them. I mean, like the just copy and paste that same laugh that I did. Like both of those are equally funny and farcical movies. But yeah, go on. Talk about the. But, like, yeah, the Red Dawn, like, in the original, it's it's hard to take in this, the original in this context was, oh, yeah, like, the idea that China would invade 
was like a very kind of actual fear people had. Yeah. And it, and like, like it's in incomprehensible to me. Like <laughs> can't, I don't understand it. Like how would you eat that? That's stupid. But like, no, that was the reasonable people thought that. Yep. This is from that era and it's just weird. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, old people. Old people. <laughs> old people, man. So, uh, so we should talk about the way that the extended version ends. Um, I don't think that does the miniseries go so far. I feel, I feel remiss that I didn't watch it, but it's like, no. eight, it's eight hours and I was already behind the gun or no, it's, it's not worth it. It's, it's just not. Yeah. I, I've seen it. It was just, it was just like, like two years ago was the last time that I watched it. The only, the only re- reasonable version I could find was on YouTube and it had Arabic subtitles. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah yeah when i watched it it was on it was on netflix but like everything is leaving netflix so yeah no it it had had left netflix it was on youtube it was in it was originally shot in sd and now it's 320 sd yeah recompressed to shit yeah it it couldn't even tell it was rob lowe it was terrible (laughs) it was chad lowe come on (laughs) yeah but um how how, how does how does the miniseries end uh, it, um, it, it ends with, um, them, uh, I think friend has her baby and the, then they say, oh, it's going to be okay. 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 So they don't, they don't go East at all. No. Um, they, yeah, they don't, they don't leave the, the border free zone, uh, a boulder free zone. And then they definitely don't like flag. The last time we see flag is in Vegas and it's, it's, he, he kind of somewhat, it, it's ambiguous if he gets away. Right, right. Uh, here he definitely does because the uh, kind of epilogue to the epilogue to the epilogue of this is a little section called The Circle Closes, uh, which is a counterpart to The Circle Opens, which is the chapter at the beginning where Campion gets away from the military base. Um, in this, Flag wakes up on an island you know, not remembering who he is, uh, kind of surrounded by these tribesmen. And he's asking them like, Hey, do you speak English? Do you speak French? Do you speak German? Um, he has, you know, again, no idea who he is, no idea what his power is, but he has a rough sense of his purpose because he decides like, Hey, you know, this is enough for me to work with. I can use them. We can get this started again. Um, and so flag is revived, you know, presumably, you know, somewhere far away from America. And this ends with a decidedly dark tower kind of message, a decidedly dark tower, couple of sentences, which are life was such a wheel that no man could stand upon it for long. And it always at the end came around to the same place again. So in the function of this story, you know, just looking at the stand, we look at this as flag being inevitable flag popping up wherever there is potential for man to organize and start doing terrible things to man um, in the greater cosmology, which you kind of have to look at because he was writing this around the time. Like the extended version of this came out roughly when the, you know, when he was continuing, continuing to work on the dark tower, like you have to look at him 
starting to work this in to some of the themes he was developing vis-a-vis Ka being a wheel, right? Vis-a-vis, you know, <laughs> I got, sorry to keep saying that, uh, but related to Flag kind of coming back and being an ever-present force, right? Yeah, and, and again, I have not, I'm about to purchase Wizard in the Glass and start reading mm-hmm. this next season, so... And if I and correct me if I'm wrong, that's when he, he took a long break and then he wrote Wizard, Wizard in Glass. So the break between um, Wasteland and Wizard in Glass was like seven years. Yeah. Okay. So, so like there's Wasteland was 1990 and Wizard in Glass was 97. So this, yeah. So this would be well, that, that hey, that'd be about the time this miniseries came out. Yeah. So okay. like. The, the the revised version of the book would have come out would have come out around the time the wasteland came out, um, and the wasteland ends with flag being introduced to that story, um, and then you know flag is an important character in the wizard and glass at least the framing story of Wiz- wizard and glass, um, okay. And the miniseries came out roughly in between. The miniseries was nineteen ninety four. I've I've got some okay, so I've got some interesting stuff coming up for me. Yes, you do. <laughs> at least for a little bit and then flag goes away and then he comes back. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't, I don't want, I don't want you to get your hopes up because like, if you're, if you're like me, flag is a very engaging character. Like I, I, I like flag an awful lot. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. The, the man in black from the, from the gunslinger is it, at least a very interesting character. Yeah. He's not like okay. empathetic or anything, but no, in, in no way. empathetic. <laughs> Some hey he's he's the Vegeta of of, uh, <laughs> of Vegeta dog. softens Vegeta becomes a good guy. Yeah. Oh okay fine yeah. He, he fathers the person who helps them who helps them get rid of Cell. So wait you're you're saying that Vegeta never there's never a, an episode where the gunslinger and Randall Flag learn to drive a car. No there's none of that <laughs> and I don't think that I don't I don't think that Randall Flag ever has sex with one of. With, with with one of Roland's childhood friends and sires, sires the savior of the universe. But okay, yeah, okay. So yeah, so there's no redemption arc, or, or at the very least, I don't think Randall Flag sires the person who ends up killing Frieza after he comes back and gets to Earth. You know, excuse me, Cole. It's it's Cell is who Trunks kills. Come no, on. no, no. Cell comes or uh, Trunks comes back from the future and uh, ends up establishing his strength by killing Frieza. That's uh, right. Yeah. He shows up for like half a second. Yeah, free, like the, 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 yeah, the new Frieza comes back with Kula, and uh, like Trunks comes him. back and kills both of them, and says, "Hey, there's a greater threat here. I am here to take care of Cell for you." Uh, yeah, and then uh, they and then they prepare to fight the androids, uh, and <laughs> Cell ends up absorbing the androids to become Perfect Cell. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. I can't believe I I tip my hat. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sorry. You ever see old school where Will Ferrell kind of like blanks out and makes the perfect uh, argument for biotechnology? Yeah, that's kind of what happened here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Murph, final thoughts on the stand? Like, like what, what, do you, what do you think of this, both from your experience with the book way long ago and with your experience with the miniseries? So, glad, I, glad I read it. Not glad I watched it. Is that a good? <laughs> had you had you seen the miniseries before? Or was it just the, the was this just your way of re-experiencing the story for the show? It's, yeah, it it was definitely evocative of what I read. I don't believe I saw this, um, but yeah, no. It, I think I, I read an AV Club article and I I kind of agree. Like this, it just 
this movie the movie does not is does not is not worthy of the subject or of the source. Yeah. This is this is a much better book than a movie. And I, like I like the um, I, is the is the a good analog Dune and that the the Dune movie is fantastic, right? But the the, and, the David Lynch one? Uh the one that actually got made. Yes, the the, the David Lynch one. The the one that didn't get made was the Yodorovsky one. Right. right yeah. yeah. I mean, it it's it's it certainly has its flaws, but it it is a it is a movie that you can watch and have fun. It, and it, have it, fun. it it is a good and visually impressive movie that tells a story that is kind of like Dune. It is a bad adaptation, but a fine David Lynch movie. Right. And I I think this is a this is a bad adaptation and not a not a good miniseries either. Oh. Yeah. And, but as but the source material in both cases pretty fantastic. Right, right, yeah. Um, I'm ha- I'm happy to have to have revisited this. Um, I'm so yeah. I, I, maybe it's good that I didn't take the take the time to rewatch the miniseries. I'm happy you were here to provide that perspective because, like, for a lot of people, that is a very attractive way to experience the story, right? Yeah, that that is uh, yeah. Like, oof, like because how many we're talking over two thousand pages? <laughs> yeah, it's like a thirteen hundred page book. It it. it it ranks just below it by like a hundred pages or so. It's 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 incredibly long, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. And I'm I'm like I'm a I'm a very fast reader, and I was just like, nope. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I sent out the, uh, the 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 email to all the people that I invited to be on these next couple of seasons, and I said like, hey, you know this this stand episode is going to be a spicy meatball. If you if you want to, you can you can listen to the audiobook. You responded and said like, hey, you realize by saying you oh you can listen to the audiobook, you're signing people up for forty eight hours of audio. And I'm like, yeah, just watch the miniseries, man. <laughs> read. If you, if you've read it before, just read a summary. I just want to talk to people about the themes. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah is a tremendous it's yeah it's i mean like 48 that's like that's all of harry potter isn't it i have no recollection that can't yeah. be the case also, like the, the 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 later harry potter books are like 600 pages a piece aren't they something uh, ridiculous they're spicy yeah. meatballs yeah my, my confession is i've never read harry potter oh yeah i it i i assure you that if you listen to the to, to, to the to the glut or to the bulk of Harry Potter front to back, it would be far longer than 48 hours. Oh, yeah. Oh, oof. okay. Yeah. Some, some Google here just told me, no, it is much, much longer. Oh, how much? Like, uh, is it 117 it, hours? 117. And, okay. I was going to say it would be around, around 100, but that is, that is appreciably more. <laughs> yeah, so it, 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 it is. So the first book is eight, and then it goes nine, then it goes 12, and then it just 20 hours. Whew. Yeah. I don't know why I'm a foof thing. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, well, 20 hours, like, let's, let's say, Hey, how, how many hours do you think WAF is like the, the length of WAF? Oh, I can tell you. Um, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> One moment. Let me, let me pull this up yeah. because I can, how I, many stands could you listen to <laughs> while listening to WAF? <laughs> uh, no, I can't tell you because I don't feel like logging into this. It'd be, it's, it's, it's hundreds and hundreds of hours. It okay. is, it is multiple so, days worth of audio. Okay. And, and just yeah, but <laughs> yeah. It, it's hard for me to gauge audiobook length because like it's, it, it's listed in absolute value, so that's not really it's not hard to gauge it. But like I just I listen to things all the time, so it's not that big of a deal. Like I I listen to this book over the course of like two weeks. 
So. Well, I mean, well, I mean there's, there's a 117 hours is, or you, you can't listen to 48 hours of audio in 48 hours, right? Like there's, there's sleep and there's that sounds like, like a challenge. <laughs> I'll stream that shit, man. <laughs> no, I won't. Don't hold me to that. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. Next. Uh, next duck spring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Um. Yeah. This is a. This is a good book, but I don't begrudge anybody not wanting to. Uh, not wanting to sink the time into it. Um. And- so I do I do want to say this is a this is a um pivotal book in kind of development of young Murph like hey the fantasy because like this this book established some tropes like hey what would as far as I know this is probably one of the first maybe not the first but like this is probably one of the first best if you will uh hey everyone on earth disappeared what do you do yeah like that's a that's a common trope now right Absolutely. And like, I don't, I, I can't, I, I won't speak with authority and say, this is the first time this has happened, but it, it was certainly probably the most famous first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I'd be curious. I have no idea what the history of post-apocalyptic fiction is for this. Um, I'd be, I would be curious to see exactly how foundational this is. Um, you know, it was certainly foundational for you and, you know, to a large degree, like, this is the first time that I, that I encountered a lot of these tropes in liter- literature. I think by the time, you know, despite our age difference, um, I, I said that like I was trying to make you feel bad, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> I think for both of us, a lot of these tropes have kind of worked their way into other forms of media. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like, I don't, I don't know about you, but like I watched the day after, you know, in high school civics class. You know, and that's the, actually one spot for me, but yeah, like I, but you know that, what I'm talking about, right? Like that was the TV yeah. movie about the aftermath of nuclear war that had similar right. like survivalist kind of stuff to it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, this is, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm absolutely blanking on other versions of this, but well, there's always the last man on earth of on Fox now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Starring Will Forte or yeah. Bill Hader. I get those two mixed up. Not the last man anymore. The, the, the series jumped the shark. <laughs> they introduced another man. No, they, they, there's like eight guys now. It's terrible. Come on. Ugh. No, not joking at all. I was just disappointed that it wasn't uh, an adaptation of Why the Last Man. Oh, boy. Yeah. <sighs> oh, hey, there. That's a good version of this. That's a very good version. Yeah, Brian K. Vaughn's great. <laughs> mm. uh, we've been going for a very long time. Um yeah. <laughs> it's time for me to cut this off because I have to edit a watch out for fireballs and contribute to that hour total that is keeping people from listening to Stephen King's uh, King books. Thank you so much, uh, Murph, for coming along. Um, I, thank you, Cole. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you uh, giving so generously of your time. Uh, where can people find you online? You can find me at dinosaursarecool.com, a <laughs> website where I post pretty much everything. That's such a good URL, man. It's so I did I didn't grab dinosaurs are dot cool but you know yeah sometimes <sighs> we have rats yeah well you know how much how much could that possibly cost like you could do a Kickstarter to get that I, TLD yeah, right I it, it probably no one has it <laughs> okay <laughs> it, it would probably be two dollars a year okay 
Uh, yeah, but I have other podcasts. Uh, the, the the biggest of which is the Dork Knight podcast, which we do mostly weekly. But eh, it's been weird. The hurricane. Yeah, but me and my co-host both live in Florida. So yeah, we're on a more regular schedule. And hopefully he and I just, just if you will indulge me, um, he, he we were both at Dragon Con uh, and he was on a panel and we recorded it. And I hope they release this audio soon. Uh, where he discussed the constitutionality of the Mutant Registration Act, the Sarkovia Accords from uh, Civil War, and the Superhuman uh, Superhuman Registration Act. Mm. Uh, it is one of the nerdiest things that I have done, uh, <laughs> but I think it's pretty great. So <laughs> I'll plug that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that, that that's really cool that they that you got to be they got to be involved with the panel at Dragon Con. That's a big show. Yeah, it, yeah, it it's uh it was it, it's a fan panel. So <laughs> yeah, still, it's a big show. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Yeah, it, it's it's it was very cool. Cool. So <laughs> it is dinosaursarecool.com. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Very <laughs> so we'll be back next time with the beginning of wizard and glass i'm super excited i know i've talked about it every episode of this season but wizard and glass is a good book um I'm and, super excited to look read it ah oh, it's so good man um <laughs> even just the way that it continues from wasteland is good and then it gets into the it gets into the interesting stuff <laughs> um you can find me on twitter at cole ross uh that is uh at k-o-l-e-r-o-s-s on twitter uh, if you want to uh, watch me stream video games, I know this isn't a video game show, but I've started doing this again. Go to twitch.tv slash duckfeedtv. Um, I do a streaming series, uh, a handful of them. Uh, the main one is called Hex Crank. It's a reference to Resident Evil. I stream horror video games uh, for people uh, if you want to see those. And I also uh, am looking at doing a couple of other streaming shows. It's a good time. And there are... Hear- Good. I hear your Dino Crisis was especially choice. Dino Crisis? Summer. Oh, yeah. Dino Crisis was great. It is one of the best crises you can have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that? I hear they're very cool. Yes. Dinosaurs are very cool.com. <laughs> don't, don't go there. That's a unspeakable yeah, thing. Dinosaurs are very cool.com. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I have to register this. You cost me $2 a year. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I think that those are all the things, uh, and we look forward to seeing you next time, but until then, I want you to have long days and pleasant nights. You twice the number. Thank you. Nobody does that. Nobody gives the response and I do not feel assertive enough to force them to do it. You did it once to Gary, so now. <laughs> <laughs>